it's the proudest day and the proudest time in the, the seat of a relic here because that day and that hour and those minutes I got the butt between my teeth you know I really stood up and was counted and said this is not getting away I remember when we pulled on our helmets and Donald says to me what are we doing I said we're going for gold Barrett that's all we said I can still pick to that run that was just the best best run ever Welcome along to Crunching Gears, the Rally Podcast, uh, Season 2, Episode 14. Um, before we start this week's episode, we would like to pay our deepest respects and condolences to Sarah Moynihan Purcell, Dickie Curran and Joseph Conlon, uh, son of Mickey Conlon, a seasoned competitor. Um, you know, what can we say? Deep condolences to the, the, all the families there. Uh, it's been a hard few weeks for Irish Rally. Um, and back to this week's show, uh, always, as always, welcome along Conor Edwards and a special co-host this week again, Luke Barry. Lads, you're very welcome along. Thanks, Kevin. Good to be here. Thanks very much, boys. Always nice to be on and chat a bit of Irish rallying, but I just want to echo that. I think it's from our side of the pond. I think we're all with you guys. It's been the most difficult few weeks I think you could have ever have expected. So, But it's great that we have had some good results from an Irish perspective to talk about from the weekend as well, which I'm sure we will get into. Soon. Absolutely, yep, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. We've got, you know, we keep telling it, jam packed show, but once again, <laughs> we just want a bit in the, <laughs> the mad side. Uh, we caught, catch up with Josh McLean, who was just busy off a plane and landed into Poland. Jamie McMillan, who had just landed home on an airplane from Portugal. John Armstrong, who was getting ready to get on a plane <laughs> to go to Poland. Uh, we also caught up, caught up with Marty Toner, who was just back from Isle of Man. Tommy Moffat, who's in Germany after competing <laughs> the weekend, and Crawford Henderson then, who tells us all about the Tour of Despairings coming up. But um, uh, as Luke alluded to there, you know, what a way to get us back in a positive frame of mind. The weekend in Portugal, what can we say, Josh McElean and, and John Rowan, superb performance. Like, they didn't look into this. They were on the pace right from the get-go. Uh, maybe look you maybe you you know your first experience you were keeping in the guys out over the weekend as well yeah and I have to say we obviously know for but I guess particularly for Josh and John how difficult the last month has been so for them to I guess respond to all of that difficult energy with this kind of performance was great and I think Josh maybe said it himself um but for me it's definitely his most impressive performance in WRC I think this as you say the way Everything was done on the front foot. There was no mistakes. It was he controlled the rally and he showed good speed. And that's and it's the whole point of what the academy is doing. The most but Ireland Rally Academy is giving these guys the opportunities to progress and, and learn. And he's done a couple of years now at this level, but this was the first. I say first, I know a bit harsh, but it was one of the, the sort of real chances we got to see what Josh can do when he's just out there and ready to to fight with speed in a field as competitive as that. I think it was 43 rally two cars. And we all know how good the entry was. So to stand out in amongst that, what was, was great. And I think what he said at the end of the rally as well, I sent him a message actually just as soon as he, he did it and just said really nice words. Cause it was, I think it summed up how everybody was feeling and it was, it's great. And obviously I can't speak. I'm not part of the Irish rally community, but for me, even from, from I say our side of the pond in the UK, it, it made me smile that we sort of got that kind of result for Ireland, given what's happened. I think he can be proud of himself and he's got plenty more opportunities <laughs> in a busy few weeks coming up to showcase what he can do again. Yeah. And like Connor, you know, like what Luke was saying there, you know, like 
we forget because Josh has been about a few years now. We, you know, we kind of think he's one of the older heads. He's still such a young guy, and the, but to have such a wise and uh, uh, solemn head on him come the end of the rally, to have those words that speaks a hell of a lot for the guy. Like we've got to know him through the podcast. We know the good lad he is, but like that was exceptional what he done there at, at the Stockley. Oh, listen, he's he's an old man's head on young man's shoulders. Um, combination two things. What do you call it? His ability to keep that rally under control, not to get carried away, not to overextend himself, to have a good measured control drive. And again, I was blown away. It was great that we got to see him on, you know, WRC Plus being interviewed at the stage ends. But he was so calm, collected, very well spoken, very articulate, you know, blown away by where he is just on his journey in his rally career. I mean, as you're right, it's a very young rally career as well. Yeah. And like we should say he was interviewed in Dirtfish as well. We have to keep everybody happy. <laughs> <laughs> he was, yeah. My colleague spoke to him. I just want to add on his age, though. I, I like to think that I'm still sort of semi-young. But Josh depresses me because him and I have the same birthday, but he's two years younger than me. So every single year, I just know there's this guy that's driving in the WRC and I've got two years on him. It's not good. I'm not used to that feeling yet. And it, it depresses me. Um, but there we go. There's me being self-indulgent. <laughs> and look, you've, you've alluded to the, the, the Rally Academy. You know, Obviously, we, we're very conscious here of the work that's been done and been undertaken and the development side. But is that you know, being noticed outside of Ireland? Is that, you know, is the WRC community seeing what's being done? Are, are we making waves? Yes, I think so. And I think, to be honest, as simple as it sounds, even the change to all the cars having the same livery this year, I think, has made a big difference. A, because of, of how much everybody loved the, the Jordan Formula 1 car that it pays homage to. So it was a very smart choice. <laughs> a lot of people talking. But yeah, it, it sort of definitely, not that it wasn't, maybe obvious i guess for me i'm slightly different to maybe somebody in germany or france where we're closer to ireland so we know naturally more what's going on but it was always around you always knew the, the rally academy was there but with the amount of drivers now particularly with guys like william and Eamon, both in junior wrc both the only two winners this year as well and then you've got that second hyundai that's being shared around all the drivers alongside josh i think it's very clear what's being done and it's it's incredible I, i've said it plenty of times i said it to the guys that run it sean and John and everybody that it's just the most incredible thing that's going on I think a lot of countries could learn quite a lot from this and this is it's got real potential and it's great to see that in the few years that they've been doing this process there is definite progress being made as could be seen by Josh's performance at the weekend for sure for sure and like the second car too we can't forget about Connor uh Eamon and Connor like you know we forget this is only Eamon's I think third gravel rally and a rally five r2 car Tip it in, like, you know, top, you know, I think times in the top 25 all weekend. It, it's, it's, it's only like a, a glimpse into the town that young human has already as well. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to hand over to Luke in a second. But yeah, you're right. He's only had a handful of runs. It's a Hyundai. He's not used to Hyundai either. So it's a new car. There's a huge learning curve here. And the likes of Portugal, you know, that that's a fairly specialist event. And, you know, you have that thing where you're going from stages that are sandy and loose to then being on the next stage, which is hard bedrock. And, you know, all the setup pieces and trying to learn and understand the car. Um, you know, it, it's incredible what Eamon has done. I, I don't know, Luke, if you got much of a chance to follow what, him on the on the event. 
Portugal, not so much, to be fair, just because of how busy I've been and I've not had enough chance to check it all back. But I think in general, Eamon's always, he's always impressed me, not just because he's got a great beard and not just because he bought me a, a Guinness in Dublin last year. There are two very good points for him, but he he's always, for me, sort of defied his lack of experience. You alluded it to it there, Kevin, but I think even though I remember following his junior British championship, both of them actually, his two seasons in JBRC, particularly last year, where he was just dominant, I think it's fair to say. He, he just, he got it. He drove that thing. I don't think anybody could drive a Fiesta at Rally 4 and those rallies harder than, than he did. He was he was ready for the next step and he has made that next step and he doesn't look like he's a duck out of water. I know the way that Croatia worked. I wouldn't, I think he'll be the first to admit that it's not the sort of usual way to win a rally. In the way he did it, it was a very unique set of circumstances, but he was still there to do it. And I think this is the key thing. He's got a very, we talked about Josh having a, an old head on young shoulders. I think it's exactly the same with Eamon. So actually all the guys, to be fair, I think of William as well, they're, they're all doing really well. And it, it makes me kind of pleased, proud, proud of them, maybe it's too strong, so like I'm a father or something, but there is... I've known these guys for quite a long time. For me as a journalist, that's quite a new experience. A lot of the time I'm sort of meeting these drivers when they're in sort of the various championships, but I've kind of gone along with them. I was doing the British champs and I've kind of doing a bit of WRC when they made it as well. So we're kind of on parallel journeys in a weird way. I'm sure they don't feel the same, but I, I think it's quite interesting. But yeah, I've, I've gone on a bit of a waffling tangent as I tend to do. But yeah, Eamon's Eamon's performance, I'm really excited to see what he can do in Sardinia and JWRC and if and when he gets more chances in that Rally 2 car. Because as you say, that was for a first try in that car. And I know they're all the same in a sense that they're four-wheel drive Rally 2 cars, but there, there's a lot of differences between that and a, a Polo. So to, to get on with it as well, I think was very impressive. Yeah, it really is. It really is, you know. And like, you know, not, you know, we'll come back probably to the, the guys later on, but the, the, the battle at the front of the field, uh, like last year, you know, it was like a, uh, Roven Perra, you know, we kept thinking of superlatives, you know, how good he was and every rally it was he got even better. He's been a wee bit off the boil to start the season. But Saturday morning, Roven Perra of old come back and of old, I mean he's what, twenty-three? <laughs> <laughs> he's not even twenty-three, that's the yeah, worst thing, he's twenty-two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, it's incredible what he can do if never that everything falls into place. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I agree, it's been an interesting start to the year because it would be wrong to call it poor, bad or disappointing because he was second in the championship heading to this rally, just one point off the lead. But you're right, he wasn't he wasn't performing in the same way he had last year. And there's several reasons for that. I think basically most of his rivals are fighting at 100% there, whereas last year some of them were getting used to the car, some of them were driving for a team that was well behind everybody else. So that kind of made it, I don't want to say easy because Cali still did what he did, but it was a simpler task, I guess, to to build the lead that he did. This year, there was more things working against him. But I still, I, I agree, I don't think he he himself was producing sort of the magic that we got used to. So it was, it was actually really comforting to see. I think we all knew he hadn't lost it, but it was great to see that when everything came together, he was capable of this sort of stuff. But it was, as you say, that Saturday morning stage, there was a lot of debate at the time whether that was Robin Perra's best day in a, in a rally car I know he himself said it wasn't but you couldn't then say what was so <laughs> to me I think it definitely was up there if it wasn't the best um, but yeah it was incredible incredible drive I think the Friday performance to be leading the rally after starting second on the road is incredible I think that gets overlooked because he, he, he gave himself that great opportunity to do what he did on the Saturday but um, yeah I think pre-season he, he was still my title favourite I think mm -hmm. it's now looking more likely that 
he will be, given the troubles that others had. And I know we're only five rounds in, but mm-hmm. I think give Cali a, a bit of a breather like he's got now, and it's going to be quite difficult for the others to rein him in. That's for sure. That's for sure. And Connor, like, you know, El- Evans, Elton Evans went off on Friday. Like, so it, like, the way that uh, Perry went at it on Saturday morning, and, and still probably in the back of his head, he had to bring it home for the team as well. Like, that makes it even more impressive what he done. Absolutely. Like, you know, manufacturer's points were on the line as well as the championship points for himself. Um, he, again, seemed to have a fairly hassle-free rally, kept himself, you know, out of any mischief, out of any trouble, avoided any punctures, um, had a good solid drive. And you got to feel for Elvin. We all thought after Croatia, it was looking like he'd bounced back and was getting to grips and starting to look or feel comfortable in that Yaris. And unfortunately you know it's just gone away from him and and there's an event now with, with no points yeah for sure for sure and for the other teams Hyundai you know they're, they're not far away now they're you know they're keep nipping at the heels only but that strong dominant performance on the Saturday morning they were in with a fight and chance like and Danny sort of what can we say the guy keeps coming back and like he's closer to my age than he is to yours look and <laughs> it is superb what he's doing well, I think, I think aside from Cali, he's obviously the, the antithesis to what I'm about to say. I think being sort of 40 and over as a rally driver now is how to do it. We see what Sebastian Lowe keeps doing. Auger's not quite 40, but he's not far off. And then we've got Danny Soto turned 40 the week before Portugal, and then he put in his best performance in a rally one car. So I think age is just a number, as they say, and I think Danny definitely proved that. But I was really happy to see that it is a rally he's always gone well on. It's a rally he feels comfortable with because it's near to his neighbouring Spain. I'm sure it is actually closer than where Rally Catalonia was. Women still had it in the calendar to his sort of home. So it is essentially a home rally for him, which, as we know, can give you a bit of a boost. But the speed was impressive. Like He, he was, over the weekend, the quickest of the Hyundai's. And I honestly cannot remember the last time that was the case. Mm-hmm. I think Thierry was surprisingly off the pace. He just didn't... We know he's got a bit of a a knack, maybe knack's the wrong word, but there's a bit of a trend continuing now where Fridays tend to be a bit more difficult and he, he sort of hammers them on Saturday. But this time he he just he struggled to find that. And I'm not quite sure we quite got to the bottom of what exactly he was looking for from the car, but something wasn't working. Um, but Danny found it. Danny was hot on it. And it has to be said, Esapeka Lappies, I think, has been brilliant this season yeah. so far. Yeah. I was one that questioned his move to Heightened. I didn't really... As much as I could see the appeal in a full season compared to a half season, he just looked so happy back at Toyota. But he's proved me wrong. I think he's probably proved a lot of people wrong with how he started the year. Um, I think aside from Monte Carlo, he probably could have been on the podium on, on every rally he's had to speed to, which is incredible. So he's almost, he's in a weird place. He's almost a, a title contender, but not quite. He's a little bit too far back. So had Sweden or Mexico go differently, he very much would have been there, which nobody expected of him. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be a good race, I think. Compared to last year when we had Hyundai struggling at the start, them and Toyota are both very close to the championship. I think it's about 30 points that splits them, which one sort of difficult weekend for Toyota and Hyundai go ahead. So it's anybody's game. I think it'll be interesting to see if and when the cars develop and if somebody gains any kind of advantage as the season goes on. That's for sure. That's for sure. And Connor, we can't like overlook the, the M-Sport car. You know, it's a different animal than what we were seeing on the stages last year. Absolutely. And just before we get on to M-Sport, I'm just uh, with with, I suppose, with Lappy's performance, which has been fantastic, but he's not quite there yet. I think it probably makes Searle's job easier with regard to the fact that they're back in Thierry for the championship. 
that probably just takes that bit of pressure for running team orders and that type of thing off 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 the team. But yeah, the M Sports definitely the, that Puma is improving. Tanik's getting to grips. He's getting the issues ironed out. They're constantly working. And as we'll hear from Jamie later on, you know, there's a lot going on behind the scenes there. And it literally is debrief after debrief after debrief with Oit to to get that car to where he is going to feel comfortable with it or or, or thinks or feels he'll be comfortable with it. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be worrying for the rest whenever he, when he hits that sweet spot. <laughs> Yeah. That's and, the, this is what I think is sorry, Connor. I've cut across you, but just to because he's only seventeen points off. I think the lead, isn't he? So he's he's the closest everybody. So the fact that he's there, he's already won a rally when, <laughs> when things aren't quite right. It does make you wonder um, if everything was was together, just how almost dominant, how, how far ahead, how good could he be? And he's already great as it is. But I think I have to say, as you, I've not heard the the piece you've done with Jamie, but I'm fascinated to hear it because I suspect. Working at M-Sport this year certainly isn't the easiest task. There'll be plenty of late nights and long hours going in. But as a team, you want that. You want to be pushed. You want to know where you're at. And with Tanak, there can be sort of no doubts about anything. If they give him the car that he needs, he will deliver. And that's the challenge. And, and it'll spur them along to know that if they get if everything comes together, they will win rallies. They probably will win a championship. So it's exciting times there. I guess it's just... What they've got to hope is that Rovin Perra and, and Toyota or anybody else doesn't take too huge a march while they've still got maybe one or two fingers tied behind their back. Sorry, Ke- Kevin and Connor. Yeah. I no, interrupted. No, not, not, not at all. What I, what I was going to say was just with regard to the Puma, reliability issues, there didn't seem to really be any this, this rally. You know, that was good to see. So there wasn't anything around the power steering. There wasn't anything around the understeer side of things. So maybe those things are getting sorted now. Um, and then the other thing, my own impression from seeing Tanik at the stage ends in Croatia and in Portugal, he seems more relaxed than I recall seeing him. He seems to be, you know, more comfortable, both maybe with, within himself as well as, you know, the car. I look, you've probably seen that more for, firsthand than, than the likes of Connor and myself. What's your thoughts on that one? <laughs> Way to put pressure on me to come up with a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I would agree. I think, oh, it's. He's always quite, he's interesting in the media zone. He's the hardest driver, I think, to because he plays you. He finds it a challenge. You ask any kind of bad question, he knows it, and he, he takes um, pleasure in giving you a really simple answer <laughs> to catch you out. So you really have to be on your game with him. But he does, I think he is happy with his move. Everything works. It's just he needs, It's more. I think it's more precision from the car. He just needs something to be more at home. And, and it's, it's obviously, it's not that everything's far away. It's just that to be one hundred percent perfect is what he's searching for. He's demanding character that that wants to everything to to be that way, which is good. But I have to agree, particularly in Portugal, a lot of his lines were particularly witty and quite funny. Um, even in a situation where he's maybe frustrated, he has some good one-liners, which is a side we probably haven't always seen from Tanak. So yeah, I think and I'm sure he's happy with with life. He just needs a little bit more performance and comfort from his car. I think. I think it's such fine margins. There's no doubt about it. But I think, without further ado, I think we'll cut across and we'll hear from Josh McGillian. So, Josh, Monday after a big weekend, how was it? Uh, yeah, it was uh, definitely an adventure. Uh, it was a solid, very solid weekend, I'd say. Um, there was a lot of positives to take from it. Obviously, a, a very good result. Being twelfth overall and second WRC two challenger is is quite incredible. Looking at the field going into the event, um, 
but yeah, the experience of the past two years, I would say, came into play a lot. Knowing when to push and when not to push was was quite vital to try to get to the finish, let alone get a good result. So no, everything went to plan, and I think uh, everyone could be happy with the weekend. And you know, you you mentioned plan, and and we see that with the academy, it, it's be you know, it, it's the key to these events. What was the plan like when you were setting out Thursday evening? Um, what was the target? What was the you know you and John? What was the focus on? Obviously, rallying. There, there's a lot of variables in it, and um, the plan can change quite quickly. But I think in general, the, we knew the second pass was going to get rough and and tough, which it definitely did. Um, but on the first pass of stages, you could like push on and and show some uh, speed as well as consistency. So no, going into Friday morning, we knew. That the first loop was okay. Our road position was quite low, still quite for, far back compared to what we were on Saturday and Sunday. But yeah, the road was quite rough whenever we got there first pass. But we knew that we had to try and make the most of the first pass conditions because going into second pass, uh, it's about survival realistically, and punctures is a, a huge thing in this rally or in that rally. So I think we on the first stage Friday morning we get into a good rhythm. What were we seventeenth fastest eights in WRC two, and whenever you take three seconds out of Chris Meek, it's it's not so bad. So uh, no, I think starting off Friday morning in good rhythm was was key to the the weekend. And the stages, you know, some of the stages seem to be quite loose and sandy, and others were going down to bedrock very quickly. How do you kind of keep the rhythm with you know with them changing like that so mm. much? Yeah, Portugal is a place where the stage changes stage by stage. Uh, it's like more south you get, the more bedrock there is in the road. Or there's more loose stones. Um, so Friday was quite south down in Coimbra. So yeah, this is was was going to be the toughest day with no service. All you had was what you had in the car with a tire fitting zone midday, and we actually chose quite a soft tire package for the first loop. And I think after the second stage, the tires are quite short. So getting to that tire fitting with no mistakes is was important. But then going into the evening, we again we knew it was going to be rough with uh, all hards. Everyone knew the the tires for that stage, and uh, yeah, it was going into the last couple of stages. I we didn't have any spares left, so it was another point of let's get through this. I, I think in stage six we dropped a minute, but that was just pure survival there was no actual issue with anything it was just we had no we had no tires left yeah and just you mentioned chris meek there like uh chris was interviewed before the start just at the shakedown and he says like you know coming out of rally one and you know like in there's what eight ten competitors to suddenly having 30 guys all you know 30 35 guys all in equal cars equal footing this was where it was at like you know you know the main focus on rally one but the the main competition is in rally two. Like that is where the action is, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, the end list was incredible. And even talking to Chris before, he didn't know what to expect or what to think. Uh, okay, he did have an issue on Friday morning with the car, but still, there was what six X WRC two or WRC drivers in WRC two. So that was the competition. It's the, you can't get any higher. I think if any WRC driver would come back to WRC2, it's the same situation. Um, but no, it's good to have these benchmarks because that's what you're ultimately trying to get towards. And uh, it was nice to be in the mix in some of the stages. 
And like to have the likes of Chris there, you know, are you able to bounce off him and, you know, get a few tips from him as a forthcoming when it comes to help? Yeah, there, there's no doubt about that. It's probably the first proper time meeting him in person. Okay, I had a lot of contact through messages and stuff, but he's been away from home for a long time. Um, <laughs> Craig was a great guy for that there, to be honest. Um, even before FAF and going into Croatia and stuff like this here, it was, it was a good help. And uh, you talk about that Phil Garris stage, it was... Really, it was Craig's onboard from FAF that probably took that that time because I knew after FAF that he, he was the quickest through it and it was even quicker than WRC2 the previous year. So I knew that was the onboard uh, to watch to try to try see what he could do. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, what no better man to guide you. Like, you know, we should mention Craig here at this time. Like, you know, he had took you under his wing. We know the close relationship we had with John, though. Like he's going to be a great loss to Irish audience. Oh, there's no doubt about that. I think everyone's has talked about it before, but yeah, it's a great loss for even us young guys coming up because he's been there and done it. And to lose to lose him and lose all the information he had was it's incredible, let's say. But yeah, we have to to make the most of what we have and the onboards left in WRC Plus to try figure it out ourselves. <laughs> Connor, you want to jump back on it? Yeah, and, and Josh, obviously, you know, you, you had the experience of, of Rally Faith, for, you know, a few weeks back. Um, how much of a difference did that make, especially considering, you know, the, the other WRC2 guys you're, you're competing against are well experienced with those stages, having mainly competed in, in Portugal for the last few years on, on Rally Portugal? No doubt, FAF was, that's why we went to FAF, was to get the experience for Portugal and to, to test different things. Uh there was two two stages similar to to what was in FAF. Uh, okay, Friday was quite different from the the surface and the, the nature of the stages, let's say. But uh, no, that's why we went to FAF ultimately to get the the mileage and the experience to go into Portugal and use it to the best we could. Yeah, and obviously difference in the weather conditions. And I think when you did it, it was uh, monsoon conditions almost. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was quite monsoon. A boat would have been maybe better than FAF than uh, a rally car, but. No, there, there's no doubt. Experience of these events and even being in, going into Poland this weekend is uh, is huge going forward. Going into these fast rallies in the WRC. Yeah, and again, just just looking at, at the weekend again, you'd fairly issue free. I think you what you had one or two tire delaminations, but apart from that, we uh, it was pretty much uneventful. Would that be right? Yeah, the 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 car ran faultlessly. The team done an incredible job. PCRS and. Uh, yeah, we we worked together very closely before the event to get a good uh, good car set up on the test in the Monday test. Everything felt very good. It was uh, a big step forward from from what I've tried before, and to give that confidence going into the rally was was quite good on top of being in FAF. So, no, the team done a, an incredible job, and it's hats off to them to to get a car to finish that rally because that's a, an achievement in its own. And obviously, John Rowan as well. It's uh, to come back from what he was through and to to do that rally and to do it faultlessly was uh, was hats off to him as well. Yes, the mark of the man. And just before we leave Portugal behind, like the other thing that happened to you over the weekend, the helicopter was following you around. And watching, <laughs> I was watching you through Fab there on the the you know the the Wolf Power stage and you were left to hang out a bit. It just must have been a joy to be in that position that you can go out and enjoy your rally and 
you know, you're under no pressure. The car behind was far enough behind. You you know, you weren't going to catch the car in front. Was there a wee bit of let's go and have a bit of fun in this stage almost? <laughs> uh, we were actually in the road section going to the regroup before the power stage, and I never actually thought about it because I usually it's the top five and WRC two would run with the at the front of the the power stage, but I think because there was less WRC one cars, there was. Uh, more WRC twos at the front, so no. To be running, starting the stage behind Terry Neville was uh, it was a bit special, but yeah, going across the mountain, the helicopter falling us, it was it was something different. I <laughs> say so you don't get that many days, but uh, the the road conditions were quite interesting because obviously the two wheel drives are the last over the the stage in the previous run, and uh, I was told going into the power stage sooner than I think it was because. From him last year, he went off, He was running first in the road and he went off in it, leading. And he says, just watch the ruts because the, they're two-wheel drive ruts and uh, there's loose there's loose sections of the road throughout the whole stage. So, uh, yeah, I would say that's why you're seeing so many like <laughs> trying, trying to create traction. And obviously, Neville had the problem, so he wasn't doing much to the, to the road. So, uh, it was a bit of road cleaning too. But no, it's all part of the experience. If I can get that again, I'll, You'll take I'll it. <laughs> and and Josh, you mentioned Timu there, and I know Timu's been involved in some of the test days you've had. Like, was he there as a source of advice and information, or or was it was it quite competitive um, with Timu over the weekend? No, he's a he's a very open guy. Um, he'll offer as much advice as possible. And even in the Sunday, we're running quite close to him because of the positions on the road and. Uh, no, you could bounce anything off him. He would. He's very open in that way, and so uh, no, it's great to work with him. Great to talk about setup and the, and the car as well because he's involved a lot on the development side of the car. So uh, yeah, it's good to have this information firsthand and, and bounce things off him. And the super special on Saturday night, that huge jump that was causing a lot of problems. Did you get warned about that or? <laughs> Yeah, I got warned about it, and I went over, and I still hurt myself. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a, it was a tough one. I don't think you could go slow enough over that jump to, <laughs> to not do damage to yourself. But no, it's, it was incredible atmosphere. Lasada is always the, the spectacular pace. Thousands of people at it, and I think, yeah, we were up against Amanda Rojo, who's the home hero. And uh, yeah, it was quite special to hear the car, the crowd from inside the car. So no, it was, it was something different. So coming up is Poland. What so what what are we looking at? What's ahead of you? <laughs> yeah, we're we're just arrived in Poland today. Um I did some prep before obviously starting into Portugal. Uh limited <sighs> information from the rally. Uh, it's Friday's quite similar to last year and Saturday's quite or sorry, so, Saturday's quite similar to last year and Sunday's new, let's say, and yeah, it's fast gravel rally qualifying is again very important with road training you don't want to be doing that so uh yeah i think focus on the wreck is quite important new pace notes new roads and uh yeah get a good rhythm but doing a, an event back to back is it's quite good because you're fairly hot going into it yeah and, and also with um sardinia coming up but you know it's that bit of extra seat time before you you have another round of the wrc again yeah, there's no doubt about that. Okay, it's a different type of rally, but Poland going into the likes of Estonia and Finland is is where you have to use this experience from. So, uh, no, the weather's quite wet at the minute. The road conditions could get quite rough, rotted 
high speed ruts. So uh, we'll have to look for that during the reggae. But yeah, it's all part of the experience. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, like you know, if you're looking at DVDs from last year and the weather's dry, is it completely different? What you're seeing in front of you, if it's wet, like if it's wet tomorrow and and wet again on you know Thursday or whatever, is it that complete changes the characteristics of the stage completely almost? The, yeah, you could say that. The okay, the character of the stage is still the same. The speed's probably more or less the same, but it's just the way the the ruts develop and where they're going to be because each person takes a different line and and then there's two wheel drive lines we were talking about and. It's just knowing what way they develop and how deep they can go because you don't want to break the car either, and that's that's part of it as well. So, no, it's just trying to predict the soft surfaces during reggae and, and noting them as well. So, uh, no, I think reggae's a, it's a big reggae. Thursday's the only day of reggae, and then it's straight into qualifying the next morning. So it's there's not much time to review the the DVD and stuff. So just get the head down Thursday night and, and try make making the best work. <laughs> And and then you know obviously you're away from home this weekend. The main rally on tour of the Sparrows. Um, I would say like you know you obviously you wouldn't be competing, but like I'm sure your heart lies a week, uh, you know in hard fault somewhere along the way. Yeah, no doubt. One of them I want to go and do sometime. It's uh, what ten minutes up the road. So yeah, there's some entry list for it. There's it's good to see. I think the entries are full, brave and quick. So uh, now it's looking to be a great day. Hopefully the weather's plays a part and. Yeah. The pace is hot. That's for sure. That's for sure. And Connor? Yeah, that that's it, really, Josh. I suppose it, it's just wishing you the best for 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 Poland and uh, like you know, once again, an absolutely incredible drive in Portugal, and it was great to be able to actually see you on WRC Plus and be able to follow you, as Kevin says. You know, watching the, the helicopters, we were only just missing the in car. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Uh, hopefully, we can get an in car this weekend to to drive my getting the ERC live, but. Uh, yeah, um, huge thanks to Josh for taking the time out. Literally, he had only just checked into the hotel room before uh, he spoke to us. So really appreciate the time. Dying to see how he gets on in Poland. And yes, hopefully it all comes true with regard to the in-car camera. And we do get to see him live on the stages. Um, we also caught up with Jamie McMillan from M Sport, um, just uh, who had literally arrived back in the UK from Portugal, and it was a chance just to chat to him about the development of the Puma and the work ongoing with M Sport on that. So, Jamie, an eventful weekend in in Portugal, um, some some highs and a few lows as well. Um, how are the team? How how's everybody at M Sport? Uh, yeah, all good. There's uh, few. Few late nights, few early starts in in Portugal. So I think everybody's catching up on a little bit of sleep today for sure. Um, I think yeah, it was maybe four hours sleep on Friday night, five on on Saturday. So, um, yeah, it was um a difficult event, obviously for for the team. Um, Pierre not being able to to finish, you know, in where where he wanted to, and um, okay, I showed some pace, but ultimately, you know, we were hoping for more to come off the back of Portugal, but still, um leaving there in, in fourth and getting a good haul of points and other um, four points in the power stage. So moving forward, second in the championship, we can't, can't complain too much and everybody's, you know, um, ready to push and, and certainly very motivated to keep, keep battling on and, and seeing where we can, where we can take the, the championship fight. And, you know, some really good pace there. And we saw Pierre leading on the first day and um, some great stage times between Tannock and, and Pierre as well. And, uh, you know, punctures and, and, and accidents aside, um, 
is the pace coming with the car? Do you feel you're all going in the right direction or is there still, you know, for the want of a better word, a few speed bumps there? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it was all going just too well on Friday morning. We had, <laughs> we had Pierre and Oit in the, in the top three. It was going fairly well, both set and stage winning times. Even Adrian was doing really well in the Rally 2 car. I think at one point after the second stage, I think we were leading um, Rally 1 overall and, and Rally 2 as well. So, um, yeah, we were sort of pinching ourselves thinking, yeah, it's too good to be true. And <laughs> it very quickly <laughs> turned turned out that way. But, um, no, I think Pierre's happy with where the car car is. He's been happy, you know, throughout last last season as well. He was very comfortable with the car, both on, on tarmac and gravel. Um, and, you know, he was happy to to use his, his gravel um, base setup from last year for this year. And, um, you know, you can see clearly that that works for him and he's able to, to be competitive with that with that setup um you know Oid drives a very different certainly a different driving style to what, what Pierre has and he likes the car set up in a, in a very different way too so um for sure that the setups are, are diverging um there's not so much similar between the two but um yeah you can see that even though they're they're quite different setups they're they're both can work um in in the right window um you know Oid said maybe his is at the minute, it's, it's a very narrow window to get the car working how, how he wants and, you know, for him to be comfortable to be able to push. And that's something that we're we're all sort of, you know, working on and very motivated to to improve that for him and, and certainly bringing things bring things forward to, to the tests and um, constantly making improvements. But Pierre honestly didn't have so many complaints. He was pretty happy with, with the car that he had and, um, you know, was a little bit unfortunate with a few things that didn't quite, go to plan for him over the weekend or else he could have been on for a very strong result and the stages in Portugal the varied between really loose sandy or you know quite quickly getting down to hard bedrock like uh, you, it, that must be difficult to get a car set up to, to be able to cope with those two nearly extreme conditions yeah yeah it's exactly that and it's, it's always going to be a trade-off from on those sorts of stages and um, you know Friday stages get quite quite rough especially in the second pass and um friday there was no midday service so you had to be on the same setup really for the whole day other than the small things that the drivers and can change themselves so roll bar positions and ride heights and things like this damper clicks um i know it was also obviously had a um quite an early road position so you know out of everybody the first few people on the road are going to see the biggest development from first to second pass so you know you really need to prioritize getting traction and grip from a loose surface whenever you're cleaning the road um but also having the the options and the adjustment available for you to then go out in the second pass and still um be comfortable in the car and especially those friday stages they got quite a bit worse than the stages on saturday so um that was yeah you're in a bit of a corner in terms of setup and, and what you can do so um yeah that really at the end of the day that was where roy struggled the most was was the second pass second pass stages um, when it was, you know, rougher and there was more bedrock and um, sort of bigger impacts going into the car. Um, we weren't able to, to be get comfortable to be able to have the confidence to push in those sorts of conditions. Um, but yeah, you could see that on the, on the first pass when it was a, bit, a little bit looser, he was, you know, able to set, set really quick times and, um, you know, leading the rally going into the tire fitting zone and then heading out for the afternoon, you had a real chance of a good result. And ultimately it was a, it was a, well, the one puncture was was clearly playing for all to see on on TV, and you could see he, he had that quite early in that stage. But um, 
something he sort of had to manage through the loop as well was a, a D-bead as well on that first stage. So he was really carrying two damaged um, tires, one puncture and one, one D-bead, which he couldn't really run um, on the car. So, you know, he had to prioritise getting to the finish at that point and another puncture would have ended up in a retirement. So, um, yeah, he had to drive smart as well. So he wasn't having a full push on Saturday afternoon either. And mm-hmm. for sure, the car changes a little bit when you're on the limit compared with whenever you're, you know, you also need to to survive and, and you're thinking, you know, about finishing the rally too. But um, yeah, no doubt he, he, we've got a lot, to, a lot of work to do for, for him to be comfortable and, and to get him, you know, able to push on the limit again. Yeah. And and again, though, those differences in surface between the, the hard bedrock and then obviously the sandy stuff, tire pressures, you know, is there a lot of variation in around tire pressure? And then does that add to obviously the risk of, of a puncture? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so generally first pass, you can you can run a little bit lower and there's less chance of of um, sort of, well, yeah, punctures and impacts to, to the tire. And, you know, some stages as well, if it's a little bit um, softer at the start and then you can allow the tire to get up to temperature and up to pressure for a rougher section of the stage, you can also um, try and take advantage of that. So, yeah, we were we were changing the tire pressures for the, for the second pass, definitely. And um, it's something that Pirelli communicate with us before the event. So um, we'll do our own engineer's recce. So we'll go and drive all the stages and make notes of how we think they're going to develop, what we think the ride height should be, whether there's a, there is a low, medium or high puncture risk on, on sections of the stage or or overall on the stage. And then we'll compare notes with what um, what Pirelli provide us. And yeah, we, you know, I'm open and honest for, you know, Friday afternoon, we were running to, to Pirelli's guidelines in terms of minimum pressures. We weren't pushing the, pushing the limit on that so we weren't doing anything that we we shouldn't have been and we didn't think we were in a you know in a window that was really really that risky but unfortunately yeah these things can happen and it wasn't just just out um you know there was various rally two cars as well quite a lot of the field that ended up you know struggling a little bit so um yeah it's obviously disappointing for for us in terms of where we were as well and um what we could have came away with but yeah it's all part of the game yeah, and we're in a series of of loose rallies at the moment. Obviously, we had Mexico and what do you call Portugal's behind us, and Sardinia's coming up. What 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 have you learned that that will help with getting the cars ready for Sardinia or or, or you know? Uh, yeah, quite a lot, obviously. So, um, I think one thing that maybe doesn't well, let's not say it goes unnoticed, but isn't maybe talked about so much is obviously. Oh, it wasn't with us last year, so all the other drivers have had a full year of development with their team and have been able to um, drive the development direction and in, um, in whatever way they they wanted. So, um, and last year you obviously had well, let's say during the development year of of the Rally One cars, um, they had various development test days as well. So, um, you know the, the guys could be in the car quite a lot and, and pushing the um, the car in the direction they wanted and. Um, we missed all that with Oit and he's coming in and fighting against these guys who've had, you know, many more days in the car. So um, we're sort of, you know, learning a lot every time he, he he does a rally and every time he does a test, you know, it's difficult with the number of test days we have. Um, we're really only able to do one day before each, each event. So, you know, you need to try and cram as much as possible into that one day, but ultimately that's on, on one road that could be, um, you know, soft and sandy and may not, have the bedrock or the bigger rocks that you want to set your car up for so yeah it's really important you make the most of that that one day and we are yeah 
we're a little bit on the on the back foot in that regard, and we need to really push as as much as we can and as hard as possible to you know make a big step forward to make him um you know make him more comfortable and, and happy in the car. And yeah, we're all pushing ahead with that. So as you mentioned, it's now I think seven gravel events in a in a row. So um yeah, we're going to be learning a lot in the next few to come up, and um, we need to constantly be bringing stuff to to try and um. It's a balancing act as well because you know you learn a lot on the events, but he knows how the car feels now. So you also don't want to make massive steps in the middle of a rally, you know, in case um, you know it doesn't quite <laughs> go the right way. You know, you you better sort of fine tuning to suit the conditions actually on the event, and you do your bigger steps in the test. But um, without the number of test days and the time available, it's it's difficult to find that balance and really try and push develop development forward. But uh, yeah we're we're working as hard as we can and coming up with plenty of options and um you know i think the the test in sardinia is going to be you know really really important if we can make a good step forward there then it bodes well for the upcoming events and i was quoted you know as describing the feeling in the car as a bit of a wooden horse you know obviously it's stiffer than he liked so what what's what's you know obviously you have a debrief after comment like that and get to the bottom of it so how do you address that or what's the plans to address that before Sardinia? Yeah, yeah. So um that's that's why he's he's vocal with his with his comments. And uh look, the other aspect of it is I think um he's not the only driver to to complain in in, in these conditions and, and these surfaces. He's just maybe a little bit more public with his comments, but um look it's it's nothing that he hasn't said privately and he said a lot worse. So <laughs> you know, we, we know what to expect with with Oit now to some degree, but um, yeah, he, he's clearly not happy with the with the suspension. I think that comment is maybe directed um, in obviously in large large portion of it towards the dampers, and that's something that we're um, working closely with Riger to to develop and and come up with options from to to try and and um, make him more comfortable. So um, you know he likes a, a car set up very differently to the guys last year and how we've we've developed it. He likes the car to be much more stable and. Um, yeah, there's a trade-off there. It also comes from from the chassis side as well. We need to be able to come up with options on, on the geometry to make the um, you know, the car a little bit stiffer in that regard, and then we can you know allow the damper to do a little bit more of the the work in terms of absorbing the impacts and absorbing the bedrock. And um, you know, it's not it's not just down to to Rager to come up with a magic damper that fixes everything. That's not going to happen um overnight. So it is a combination and making sure we have a package that makes it more comfortable and makes it work on. On multiple different surfaces and um yeah clearly it's quick and uh, as he said himself in, in a narrow window but we need to make that you know much more um a much greater operating window for him to be able to set stage times consistently up there and and, and consistently winning stages so we can go on to really have a fight in, in the championship and um you know we have data from from last year we know for the, the likes of uh, both seb and pierre i think we're leading in greece last year and um, Craig set some fast times there, so um, yeah, there's there's plenty of of options that we have available to us, and it's just making sure that we are able to um, provide them with with the right package to go on and and really fight. And you know, moving to Sardinia, and it, it's you know typically a hot event, and you know we saw last year the issues the guys had around the heat in the cars, etc. And 
maybe related or unrelated to the the, the, the heat in Portugal, um, Pierre had the, the exhaust fire. You, is that something that you're looking at around trying to keep the cars as cool as possible and, and, and the crew yeah. as cool as possible? Well, <clears throat> it was, that was one aspect. It was quite complimentary of our car, actually, compared to, <laughs> compared to the Hyundai. It's a little bit colder. So, uh, yeah, no, we, we worked quite hard all of last year to get the car as cool as possible because, yeah, it was it was tricky for the crews um in quite a few events last year so um yeah i think we're i wouldn't say on, on top of that it's always um difficult to know what conditions you're going to face and just how hot it's going to get but um yeah we're i think we're in a much better position than we were 12 months ago going into this sort of run of events and um yeah you're always working on on these sorts of things but at the minute our main focus is is the setup and, and getting them more comfortable with that side of things and one of the the issues that was probably more noticeable in Catalonia last year was the the tire wear, excessive tire wear in the front and, and the understeer. Is mm-hmm. that that's something that's been dealt with or is still being worked on? Yeah, okay, dealt with is a little bit strong. I don't think these sorts of things are ever ever fixed. But um, yeah, no, we worked pretty hard with that towards the end of last year. And um, okay, again, um, you have to compare us to the, the competitors. I think. Um, okay we had a lot of tire wear and a lot of overheating on the fronts but ultimately um the teams generally had that struggle as well um so it is some of it is down to the the regulations and how the rally one cars are are set up compared with you know when you look back to 2017 and, and the fiesta when you had an active center diff and you could do a lot more um you know more advanced technology to, to help with these sorts of things um so yeah ultimately that that's one aspect but yeah no we spent quite a bit of time um with Oi even you know before Croatia and, and after Monday working on the the tarmac car and we've um, homologated new differential ramps which he ran in Croatia for the first time so I think that's one aspect that that helps um, maintain the the balance and prevent us you know being quite so hard in the front tires um, and then yeah there's also some different geometry options that we've got and yeah I, th- I think we're, we're we're constantly developing and working on it and, and as I say I wouldn't say it's fixed but I do think that um again it's a little bit hard to say at this moment in time but croatia you don't generally get as as much tire wear and you don't see as you know as much heat going into the tires as you would in the the likes of catalonia but um ultimately i think we were much sort of better and it wasn't so much of a complaint in in croatia and the understeer wasn't something that was um you know that i was so vocal about so as i say i don't think it's you never know what's what's going to happen when you go to to different events, but um, I think we're in a better window in that regard. And is there anything development wise you can tell us about that's coming down the tracks, or what to expect, or is that all confidential and top secret? Um, I don't think so. I th- you know, we're we're constantly developing and working closely with Rager to um, bring new new damper upgrades, and um, that's going to be what you know quite a bit of certainty a test. It's going to be taken up with but yeah we're also looking at several different geometry options so we're a little bit um tied with what we can do in terms of the homologation so um you're always it's a little bit of a trade-off so um for example for, for geometry options we've got stuff that's homologated and then we've got options that would require a new homologation so for example going to the sardinia test you've only got one day to test but do you want to test the whole day on on something that's a development item that you can't actually have available for the rally because it needs to go through the homologation process? So you need to have a little bit of a, an idea whether you you want to spend 
some part of the day on on getting a setup for for the rally and some part of the day on on development and and you know trying to work out whether you want to go down the route of homologating new parts and um and getting them more comfortable further down the line because uh, the homologation process doesn't happen overnight you need to fill in your, your, your papers and send them to the FIA and there's, there's you know a time frame with that so um yeah it, it's a balancing act and if we can try and make them comfortable without you know homologating lots of new parts then that's a much easier and, and more time and cost efficient way of doing it but um yeah we need to see how we get on with that but we are certainly pushing hard to to bring them different different geometry options we're working on the the dampers as i said um we're doing you know aero studies and there's been a new rear wing that we've tried for for development as well so further down the line um that's something that we could we could homologate um so yeah and obviously as i said he's got his, his differential ramps as well that he um that he tested and unliked before before croatia so yeah we were running them in in portugal and portugal for the first um first gravel event he's ran with him and he ran with him in croatia and um yeah i think one of his complaints in mexico came from from the diffs so we've you know maybe sort of solved not solved but um improved that that comment but now we're shifting our focus to to other things so you know it's it's constantly a, a a cycle of development and i'm sure if we do solve his his wooden, wooden horse feeling he'll be on to something else for us to work on before long so yeah it's it's all part of the part of the game and that's what makes the, the engineering side of it interesting as well you know you are constantly working on, on different parts of the car and trying to find solutions to to whatever problems you're faced with whether it's um from the conditions or from the temperatures or whatever or whether it is um driver setup and trying to fine tune so yeah and you know from the outside looking at rally one it's extremely competitive that all three teams are trading times trading stage wins you know they're all very close there's no huge gaps between them um but yet and again maybe it just seems like it the, the drivers that you know two years into or a year and a half into to the rally one cars they still seem to be struggling to come to terms with driving the cars. You know, is is that just that's how it looks, or that is the case? And and what is the reason? Is it the the, the spec or? Yeah, I would say that that probably is is the case. Um, I think obviously I've been vocal about um his his complaints with with the Puma and also for for several years with the Hyundai. He wasn't comfortable with that car last year either. So, um. That's something that we also need to to manage the expectation because he's very vocal about our car, but sometimes he's comparing it to the, the 2017 Fiesta or he's comparing it to the Toyota that he won the championship with and the regulations are very different now. So um, ultimately we're competing against the other Rally 1 cars, not against the, the old spec of cars. So um, yeah, I think you, you hear bits and pieces from from the other teams as well. Um, certainly like in the eye guys aren't, aren't as... Um, okay without any inside knowledge, but from their stage end comments, they're also not not happy with the, how the car behaves. And it's also got quite a narrow window of um of being able to really go out and perform. And um yeah, you know, at times even this season Cali has also commented of, of not being comfortable, even Seb in Croatia as well. And okay, they're they're not as vocal and it's maybe not as consistent complaints. Um but ultimately I think yeah, all the drivers aren't maybe as as happy as as they were in the past. And I think there's several elements to that. I think, yeah, one part of it is the regulations and, and having the, the extra 
par from the hybrid and sometimes you have it sometimes you don't so it's difficult to make it really consistent and um on top of that you, you've gone away from having active center diff and um you know the hydraulic paddle shift and you know more aero so um you know there's quite a lot of things we could adjust just using the, the active center diff as well so you could make the car um turn a lot easier while still having more lock mechanical diffs front and rear um so yeah trying to do that just with with your mechanical diffs and also have the amount of locking that you want to, to keep the traction is it, it's an engineering challenge and um yeah ultimately that's what we need to try and try and work towards and and, and keep uh improving in that area but yeah i think yeah we're a little bit tired with the regulations but also the other aspect is there is a much maybe tighter fight at this point as well so they are also pushing the, the cars right to the limit whereas maybe in previous years um there's you know slightly bigger gaps and maybe somebody leaving the championship wasn't you know really going at, at nine you know 95 to 100 percent on every single stage whereas um this year to you know to go and win events you really need to be doing that so um yeah i, I think as as it was well um recorded or well talked about it was a, it was massively tight um you know four drivers i think within 10 points or whatever going into going into portugal so um yeah you, you need to be able to be right on the limit and on every stage and yeah going off that point as well you know we obviously know it's not not happy with the car but we're only 17 points off off the championship lead and looking back over the last three or four years it's closer than he's been um yeah even in 2019 when he won the title um after five events he was 28 points behind terry so um yeah it, it doesn't mean doesn't mean that that's how it's gonna pan out and we know uh we've got a lot of work to do but um you know we've still banked some some decent points with not being completely comfortable with the car so um yeah if we can work hard and, and make improvements then hopefully we can really put a you know put a good fight to to Toyota and Hyundai Oh, absolutely. You know, considering we're, we're only five rounds in, it's gearing up to be a very good championship and, you know, still quite open, you know, championship as well as to where it could go. And Jamie, just purely with your engineer's hat on and that engineer's challenge, and I know we're waiting on the regs to come out for what the next, you know, WRC Rally 1 cars are going to look like or what the spec is, but... From an engineering challenge point of view, what would you like to see yourself? You know, do you want it to be hydrogen? Do you want it to be EV completely? Or, you know, what are um, your own thoughts? Yeah, for me personally, I think um, hydrogen is probably more a, a, of an interesting avenue to, to go down than, than full EV. Um, yeah, I think full EV is maybe, you know, a short-term solution, but longer term, that's not going to be the, the fix, let's say. And um I also think, you know, rallying, you know, on stage side is it's a proper, you know, full full atmosphere and, and being able to hear the cars coming through the trees and, and arriving from, you know, four or five kilometers away is, is a real part of the sort of nature of, of rallying as well. And it's a little bit different to, you know, watching a car on a track where, um you know, you can see the car coming lap after lap after lap and, you know, you, you can see the different fights. But, um yeah, applying that to rallying is maybe not the, the best solution but yeah look there's people that are working very hard to, to find the direction to go down and um ultimately i think we want to keep as many manufacturers in the sport as possible and, and try and you know have many more join so um 
some of that direction is also going to be led by what what they want and how you're going to entice them to enter the the WRC and whether that is with what technology we choose choose to go down or whether that's going to be how we promote and how we market the sport um, better and um, appeal to a wider audience. So, um, yeah, I think from purely a, an engineering aspect, I you know I would love to see active center diffs back. I would love to see active front and rear diffs, but that's you know th- those are the sort of things that engineers could get stuck into and we could change. It, it was you know it was very interesting whenever you know a driver complained of a you know, very specific corner. You could see what the center diff was doing. You could make a tweak from from um from run to run on a test and, and see if you're able to um get it into a better window. Whereas now it's a little bit more yeah, let's say we don't have as many tools to play with and um it's a little bit more mechanical based and it's um you know the the software side of it is also something that, that interests me. So um yeah that's purely purely a selfish aspect. I mean they're they're massively expensive and that's why we went away from it. So um yeah ultimately it's it's not my decision how things are gonna go, but um, yeah, where we are now is it's gonna give us a good a good championship fight, and you know at least all three cars are clearly very close in trading stage times and on every single stage. So um, yeah, we just need to find a balance and act of how we're gonna move forward and also try and keep keep costs under control. And Jamie, just to finish up, you know it's a Monday night after WRC weekend. You've just arrived home. What's the rest of your week look like? Well, yeah, quite quite busy trying to get everything crammed in. So, um, yeah, as I said, Saturday is just around the corner now. So, um, we've got two weeks to to Saturday, less than two weeks to Saturday test. So I'm traveling uh, next Thursday. I know it's testing on the Friday. Um, so yeah, I was in the office today for a few hours trying to, um, you know, sort of distribute the information to, to the relevant teams and departments and make sure we're all on the same page to, to really start um, uh, ramping things up and having everything available in, in good time for, for the test. So, yeah, um, we had a meeting with with Lloyd and um, the engineering department today and the guys at Riger, and then tomorrow we'll do um, the full sort of engineering debrief and then we'll also do a technical debrief, so run through any issues that we had in Portugal, what we're going to do about them and how we're going to fix them um, for for Chardonnay. So, um, yeah, flat out, really. Um, don't have so much time to rest. So, uh, yeah, that's that's how it is, especially with these these events coming thick and fast. You need to be, um, yeah, flat out. Fascinating there to hear from Jamie. Um, like, lovely to get that kind of insider view of what's going on there in M-Sport. Um, this weekend, uh, as we said earlier, ERC round three. Um, John Armstrong's back out in the, the Tangerine. I think it's been nicknamed now the, the latest evolution of the, the Rally 3 Fiesta. Um, look, you know, we know the talent John Armstrong has behind the wheel. It's great to see him being used in this development process as well. It is. It is, yeah. I think we're all... And no, nobody more than him would probably rather he had a two next to his car in the entry than a three. But I think this is a lot better than not doing anything. And it's it's great that he's, as you say, been entrusted to drive this new car, which I guess the difficult thing is we don't really know where it stacks up. We're about to this weekend, because I believe I'm right in saying this is the first time we've ever had Rally 3 battle between manufacturers on a rally. So that's got mm-hmm. me very interested. But John's obviously, he's got form in Poland, hasn't he? He's won here before in his very car, well, the older 
Rally 3 Fiesta. He's obviously been there in the WRC as well. So he knows he knows what he's doing. <laughs> Shall we say? We're not picking him up too much, put any pressure on him. But I think it'll be great to to see. And as, as you say, it's great for him to still be connected to Emerson Poland, who, who didn't need to keep him on yeah. after those years in June of WRC, but they've seen something in him and they've valued that contribution. So it's great for him. And I'm going to do a shout out to my fellow Scotsman, Cameron Fair, as well. I'm quite pleased for him for getting an opportunity. So I know he's been working hard to, to get something internationally. So it's great that him and John, I believe two fellow Vauxhall Nova enthusiasts are together in a fiesta. So <laughs> it should be a good rally for them. <laughs> and like we've all come through the Vauxhall Nova stage. Uh, Connor, um, like, you know, you spoke to John, like that when we know, you know, undoubtedly he's a huge talent. But, you know, he's such level headed, he knows where he's at, he knows what he needs to do, and he's keeps striving to better himself and keep progressing. And he has so many obstacles put in his way over the years. He has. And and firstly, I've got images of a Rally 3 Nova in my head now. But... <laughs> Somebody um, make that. Somebody make it. If anybody's yeah. out there, can I all get a Rally 3 Nova? That would be special. You've got our blessing. I, 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 my heart goes out to John. I, I personally biased or whatever. I think John is a phenomenal driver. Watched him in the down, win the down rally. Watched him in Galway. Um, you know, as well as a couple of other events, and he's just incredible. He genuinely is, and I've seen him in Catalonia. Um, you just want things to click for him, uh, you know, and it's just it's a struggle, and it, it's a you know, struggle for every crew out there trying to raise the sponsorship and get the drives and stuff. But you know, as you say, at least he's out there. He is driving. He's in a competitive car. It's a fantastic opportunity now. They can benchmark against the the the, the Clio um to see you know how, how does it compare and then if i'm right too the opal are out as well with their rally three so there's a good chance there for 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 proper benchmark really to see where the com- competition's at but um yeah john i just think it's a fantastic talent and uh you know all fingers crossed that you know poland's another good result for him for sure for sure and look you alluded to that you know the, the, uh, the new rally three like we don't know the level of the, the rally it was competing in, but it was set in phenomenal times in the, the round of the French Championship. I think there was a couple of fastest times outright ahead of yep. Rally 2 or 5 cars. That's, <laughs> that's going to make M Sport up their game, isn't it? I think I think it will, but you're right. We don't we don't know how, how it's going to do it. I think the interesting thing is how different those two cars are. I think mainly the engine is the biggest difference because there isn't a sort of spec of of size you have to have. So whereas the M Sports a three cylinder, we've got a four pot in the in the Renault. So whether that's going to make a difference, I don't know. There was a theory going around that they reckoned potentially on faster events like Polo and the Fiesta might be the car to have, but on Tarmac it could be the Clio. But that's all just talk. We have no idea until we get them into a rally situation. But yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the two go. But the rally three class in general, I'm really happy that we now have a battle going on because I think we've all known how good and useful those cars are. You speak to anybody that's driven a Fiesta and they'll tell you what a great step that is into four-wheel drive rallying. So it's great that the class is now getting a bit more support and hopefully can gain even even more traction because get a proper good driver in there and the giant killing is amazing. We saw it from John last year in Azores. I think he was really up there with some stage time. So yeah, I think it'll be a great dimension to add to what should be another good ERC event. That's for sure. That's for sure. And like we should point out, like you, you have sampled the rental. Uh, like we'll we'll not even talk about the snowbank. I was um, hoping you weren't going to bring us up. <laughs> I thought you would, but I was hoping you wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> you, 
Were thing. you part of the development? <laughs> I was, yeah. I was, I was a crash test dummy. <laughs> uh, that was my official role. <laughs> you performed admirably. That's it. But, yeah, but uh, I think without further ado, I think we'll cut across to John and hear what Hamlin Connor had to say. Hey, Connor. Um, it's nice to be back on. Uh, yeah, everything's going well with me. Um, yeah, since the last time I was on, uh, done Canaries, which was a good event, and uh, now heading to Rally Poland. So um, it's a, an event that I've really enjoyed in the past. So very much looking forward to that. And what do you call it? You're, you're doing development work for M Sport with the, the Rally Fief. Rally Three Fiesta, um, which I suppose is the main reason behind the two outings. How did you get on with the car in in Canaries? Yeah, the car was really good. Um, I guess on paper the upgrades, uh, each one of them, it's they're quite they're quite small, but um, you know, all together it makes the car uh, more competitive and also uh, more reliable too with the. Um, Especially the the front, uh, the new front end on the car, it, it allows more uh, air to flow to the radiator and, and keep the engine cool. Um, and also the the new uh, brake duct into to the brakes keeps the brakes cool. So overall, it means the car um, in, in a twisty event like Canaries, uh, and it's hot as well that the car keeps cool, so you can keep that performance for longer. Um, and that was something. Uh, that I've seen in, in the past, like in last year in Greece and a few other events, you know, if the temperatures are high, um, the car was getting really hot with the anti-lag on. So you actually had to uh, knock the anti-lag setting down so that the car would um, lower its temperature. But in Canaries, we had no issues with that. Um, and, yeah, you know, there's some other changes. We had the short, shorter gearbox ratio. Um that was really good in Canaries because of how twisty the stages are. And you have a lot of uphill sections as well. Um, I think that gearbox will be useful in a lot of scenarios. Um, you know, I think overall the, the older, the, the, well, the first gearbox that was homologated with the original Rally 3 Fiesta was probably a little bit too long. Um, so now this one seems to be a better fit. Uh, and yeah, obviously we've got a few, few other bits and pieces like the new rear rear wing um which yeah i think overall the the balance of the chassis and the arrow is is better now too uh based on what i felt in the testing um and then yeah the there's new dampers on gravel and tarmac um i actually used the new gravel dampers in fafe and they were really good uh and then yeah we had the new dampers in canaries which uh, well, it wouldn't have been the biggest test for them because it's so smooth, but uh, for sure on the more bumpy rallies, like even in, in Ireland, um, it stops the car from bottoming out as, as much. And yeah, you've got a bit more, um, well, the, the car basically just handles better in general because the dampers cope with those harsh hit, hits a bit better now. So yeah, there's lots of different things, but overall it makes um, you know a, a good step forward, I would say. And, you know, you mentioned there the uh, canaries and the new dampers, and it's obviously it's very smooth. It's almost race track like tarmac you're you're on. Does that allow you maybe more to focus on other things rather than the dampers and the suspension? Or are you equally still looking at those, uh, you know, throughout the event? 
Um, yeah, you're still looking at them and how you might change the the settings to, you know, well, you're always trying to find the op optimal settings. So yeah, you're playing around with damper clicks and and stuff like that. But um, yeah, to be honest, the car was was handling really well. Uh, the setup that we started the test with, we didn't really change too much then. Um, and went into the rally with that setup. Uh, so yeah, on the event, I guess we. We didn't really change too many things. You're just playing with damper clicks here and there, and um, yeah, we've you know most of the changes are done on the the pre-event test or in the the development test. And I think the engineers they they get a good idea of what works with the car and where they what sort of direction they want to go with. Um, so yeah, it's a good benefit in the ERC. You usually have um one of the engineers from the development test so they they know the car inside out so you you know you're in the the best hands to um you know get the best to the car and if you want to change something then you've got really good uh knowledge and advice to to improve the car on, on the rally as well and for those type of events you know are you are you kind of you know, let off the leash as such. Can you go at 10 tenths or do you have to keep it, you know, a bit reserved because it is still about tweaking the car and getting the best out of the car? Um, well, the, the brief is always, you know, it's always an aim to try and set some good times against the Rally 2 cars. And, uh, yeah, obviously we know uh, roughly where we want to be um, in terms of uh, second per kilometer off the fastest rally too and, and stuff like that. So for sure, they're always keeping an eye on um, the stage times and the performance. And yeah, the, the ultimate goal of those events was to yeah just do the best times that you can and, and get the best overall result. Um, obviously, it's hard whenever you don't have any other uh, rally three competitors to sort of bench yourself against so it's hard to know actually you know what your pace is like you just have to yeah go as fast as you can and um yeah i think in in fafe and in canaries we had some good stage time so overall we're we're happy and the, the team seem happy and then Maciek uh woulda from emsport poland he seems happy with what we've done so Overall, it's it's been two good events, and now heading into Rally Poland, we've got a few more uh, competitors to bench ourselves against in in the Rally Three class, and we've got one driver in the new Clio Rally Three, so that'll be really interesting to see, um, you know how how we'll be against them in terms of the cars, the two cars against each other, and what. Um, my pace is like also so yeah it should be should be an interesting event and i'm i'm looking forward to that one just to yeah have a bit bit of competition again yeah and and where's the focus uh you know on 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 poland and and the the, the fiesta you know what what areas will you be looking at is it really just how it handles in the loose or will you be looking at more than that um well yeah i think you know we'll We'll be looking to get a good setup on the pre-event test, that's for sure. But um, you know, we done we done some development tests in Poland on gravel. Well, 
I I done one the end of last year. So, um, you know, the engineers and the team, they'll know roughly what they want to do with the setup and where the limit of the car is on that surface. Uh, so there probably won't be too much development on the rally. It's just more a case of trying to get a good result and, and just, yeah, go as fast as we can, I think. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of the development work is, is done uh, on the development tests and, you know, um, the engineers and the designers of the car have a good idea of the stuff that they want to improve. And then on the development test, you might try a couple of different options for that particular uh, area of the car, whether that's a gearbox or a damper, and then you end up, um, yeah, finding the best one. So, yeah, in terms of any further development, I'm not sure what the plan is, but for sure you're just trying to find the best setup on the, the pre-event test so then that you can go into the event uh, with the, the fastest car that you can you can have. And then it's up to me, the driver, then to try and do a good job on the, the stages. So, yeah, that'll be the plan, just to get a, a comfortable car and, and then go into the rally and try to get a good result. And then each of the evenings, is there, you know, do you sit down with the engineers? Is there a full debrief of, you know, how the day's gone and, and, you know, the different changes and tweaks you've tried? Yeah, I mean, you know, throughout the, the event, you're always, um, yeah, speaking with the engineer and, and feeding back on the car. And um, like you said, at the end of each day, you'll, you'll have a bit of a debrief to, um, you know, see the day went and if you've still got some things that you want to improve what the plan will be tomorrow um things like that for sure um and then after the event uh in canaries um yeah for sure the the engineer will have a list of different questions to uh, focus on in terms of giving feedback and the overall impressions um of those different areas so yeah, it's it's definitely enjoyable. Um, you know, it's a, it's sort of thing that uh, you always dream of being involved in. Um, and now to be given the chance to help with the development of a car and be able to drive the car as well, it's it's very uh, enjoyable and a, a big privilege as well. So um, yeah, I, I'm just enjoying it and trying to um, yeah you know give them what what they they need so yeah it's really really cool and any chance you can convince them to to let you try one in the uh, tarmac at home <laughs> um yeah maybe uh it's hard to know obviously william creighton's got got the car and he's been doing some events in ireland so i think already they've got probably a good benchmark with with william and um and uh, obviously that doesn't cost them anything either. It's William's money. So, um, yeah, to be honest, there's been some discussions before the year started, but nothing's really developed into doing a rally. So I guess we'll just have to see. Um, it would be really, really cool to do an event and see what sort of um, result we could get. But, yeah, at the moment, I'm not too sure um, what the plans will be going forward, but it's more... Uh, a rally per rally um basis at the minute so we'll see who, who knows maybe maybe at the end of the year we'll do something 
And John, putting your other hat on, you know, the work you're doing in, in the testing and for anybody that doesn't know, you know, you're also a game working game development for Codemasters. Um, you know, are you able to bring what you're you're, you're feeling and, and working on with the, the, the Fiesta, the Rally 3 into the, the, the gaming development? Um, Which it's... particularly, the, I suppose, the, the physics of the game and, and you know, the, the, how, the, how it feels. Yeah, I guess, you know, you're always developing um, your sort of analytical feedback through both sides. Uh, so I would say, you know, over the last four or five years, I've, I've been improving by, yeah, working in the games industry and giving feedback um, virtually. And then also now being back um, rallying and, you know, working on setups for each rally and working with engineers for sure it's improving me doing both and you know being able to just build my knowledge of what works and what doesn't work and what's the best way to get to sort of portray your 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 feedback to different individuals um yeah for sure it's been really useful and i think the more driving i do and the more i start to understand car the way the car reacts and and stuff like that and areas that you can improve the car um for sure it helps with the feedback that i give in my day job as well um so yeah it's uh it's definitely cool to be able to do both things um so yeah i definitely uh, enjoy life at the moment um but for sure the ultimate goal is to still be uh rallying rallying as much as possible in real life so um yeah we'll keep pushing on that side and you know opportunities like being able to go and do this in the european championship in front of everyone um you know the last last two events i've been able to uh, be the first driver into the the power stage it's really cool as well so yeah i just need to, to keep pushing and hopefully um yeah we'll be able to um keep driving essentially that's 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 what every driver wants that's it and you know it's an opportunity to keep your profile you know out there as well which is great and john you and i bumped into each other in a stage in croatia what what's your take on the wrc at the moment where it's at how, how you know what you read on it with obviously cali won at the weekend in portugal so it was great to see him back after i think seven months since he last won but just what's your take on it between you know rally ones rally twos etc or wrc twos yeah yeah, it's it's been quite an interesting season. I think in in WRC one, um, yeah, it's been quite a level playing field, and everyone sort of um, had a good rally and an average rally, and it sort of equaled out to be quite close. Um, but for sure, uh, Cali had a very strong event in Portugal. Um, you know, it, it seemed like he was back to his, his old ways of, of last year and found that rhythm again. And, you know, that, that first stage on Saturday morning where he took 12 seconds out of everyone, um, yeah, it, it looked a bit ominous for the rest of the year, to be honest. So, yeah, um, you know, the, it would be nice that that it would stay as close as it was at the beginning of the year um, and Cali doesn't run away with it, but... I guess we'll just have to see. Um, when you look at e ERC and uh, WRC two, when there's you know thirty cars per rally, and you know maybe fifteen of those cars could challenge for the win, it's it's very exciting. And 
you know, WRC2 uh, at the weekend was really good, good to follow. Um, you know, just there's big battles everywhere and, and the pace is really, really high. Um, and yeah, I think it's still really good to to watch as well. Um, so yeah, it's hard to know. Um, but yeah, for sure, it's, it's really good to watch. And you know, it, it gives opportunities to privateer drivers as well to, to showcase themselves. Um, you know, even like Josh uh, at the weekend, he was putting in some really good times in WRC too. Um, and it just puts you in the spotlight a bit more. So, um, you know, if you look back to the early 2000s, you were able to do that at the top tier. You were able to go and rent a rally car and, and be able to compete, but it's not it's not as achievable nowadays. So, yeah, but overall, I think it's still an exciting championship. The, the media coverage is really, really good at the minute that we have all live um, to follow these events. I, I'm pretty much glued to it whenever <laughs> I'm not doing a rally, um, even though I probably shouldn't be, but that's that's how I like to spend my weekends. If there's a rally on, I'll be watching the all-live. So, um, yeah, I think we just need to, yeah, try and grow the sport a bit more somehow. Um, but it's hard to, to have the answer to that. Um, and I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, the, the guys who are planning everything are still, uh, you know, struggling with the same the same answer, you know, trying to trying to grow the sport's not easy, but we keep pushing and I'm sure we'll get there. And um yeah, with the the possibility of the American event, um that could be really big for sports. So yeah, let's let's see. That could be a good way to grow it. Yeah, hopefully it does. Like you would hope Subaru, you know, rekindle their interest based on that, considering that they are pumping a lot of money into continuing to compete in the States. So that was certainly one thing. And, you know, the Rally 2 battle or the WRC 2 battle was brilliant between Gus and, and Peta and, or sorry, not Peta, <laughs> Oliver. But, you know, the fact that went down to the wire after the penalty and stuff, that like it really was, you were glued on, on Sunday morning watching the two of them, you know, battling each other. Yeah, it's super interesting to follow. Um, and it's good to see, you know, you have so many different drivers from all you know, different levels of experience battling, battling it out in um, WRC2. Like you've got um, Mickelson, who's, you know, sort of the the expert of that of that category coming back and, um, you know, even Chris Meek. And uh, then you have someone as young as Oliver, who's super, super quick at the front of the field. You just have, uh, you know, a wide variety of drivers. And it's just, it's really interesting to follow to see how they match up against each other and um, yeah, how they sort of attack each day or each section of a rally. And yeah, it's just very interesting to, to follow. So I think the sport at the minute is the action's really exciting um, for sure. And it's, um, it's as, as fast as it's ever been as well. You know, drivers are becoming, you know, more and more, professional and you're putting in so much effort uh on the recce and before the event studying the stages and going over the recce videos so yeah it's it's just the level keeps going up and up and um yeah it's just crazy the the speeds that uh the guys are going at now and and how consistent you have to be as well to be able to to win a rally you know it's it's become more and more like a sprint um so yeah, it's it's uh it's good to follow. 
It is. And, you know, strategy wise as well, um, you know, particularly when you look at the WRC, like the Sunday really is Sunday's averaging out around 50, 60 K max. You know, there's you don't have a lot left to give. So it really is that sprint on Friday and consolidating what you have then on the Saturday. Yeah, you know, I think at the start of a rally, that's where you're going to make the most time is being uh, quick out of the blocks whenever everyone's trying to find their feet a little bit with setup and tires and just their pace notes and everything. You know, there's a there's a there's a period at the start of a rally where some people get into it quicker than others, and if you can get a bit of a gap at the start, then it's easier to maintain that on Saturday and Sunday whenever everyone's at sort of the same same pace then so um yeah there's lots of different ways to to plan your rally strategy but for sure you have to be quick out of the blocks and um yeah obviously tire management is a big thing nowadays as well you know you don't really have enough tires or maybe enough of the right compound of tire to do the whole event so you have to plan plan your rally around that um, and, you know, sort of make sure you still have enough tyres come Sunday to to bolt onto the car so you still have a bit of pace if you need it. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's it's hard to plan a rally, but for sure nowadays it's, it's just about going as fast as you can. Um, maybe not for as long as you can, but just, yeah, just go as fast as you can and keep that pace as consistently as you can as well. Because, um, yeah, you can see some drivers are really fast at the beginning of the rally and then they sort of drop off a little bit. It's it's been able to keep that going throughout the whole event. Um, that's what uh, makes you yeah, a really good driver or, or the best in the world, as as we've seen with Oja and Loeb. And, um, they were able to turn it up a little bit more then as well. So um yeah it's uh it's not easy that's for sure but if it was easy everyone would, would be winning rallies and yeah it's just trying to find that extra bit whenever it's needed yeah it's it's Loeb and OJ always seem to have just something in reserve when they came under pressure yeah it's um you, you know you have to be envious of that uh for sure it's it's not easy to turn it on like that and um you know it's not it's not a nice feeling either I, I've been on both both sides of that battle were, uh, I guess, you were able to turn up that bit bit more, but then I've also been in situations where you just know that I don't know if I can if I can match that. Um, and, yeah, you just have to, you know, um, accept defeat some days. But it's it's all about just trying to get as much points as you can to on the board. Um, you know, pick, pick your battles, and I think... Um, Maybe more so OJ was good at doing that. Uh, some rallies he would just pick up the points and then um, in other rallies he, he was the fastest and he could win the rally comfortably. Uh, so, yeah, you have to be smart um, as well. Yeah, and uh, maybe that's what we're seeing in his choice of rallies as a part-time driver. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he said that he doesn't want to come back and do a full a full year. Uh, it's quite interesting that he was still leading the championship after uh, only doing two out of three rallies at the start of this year. Um, definitely still an amazing driver and um, one of the best that we've ever seen uh, with him. Him and Loeb are, are the greatest. Um, 
so for sure he's just got so much experience he can he can go to any of the events and really you know probably have some of the pace notes still from previous years and he'll know what it takes to be right on the pace and he's got a good running order for the gravel events too um so it's it's really interesting um but yeah even cali this year he hasn't really had the best starts to the year in terms of maybe having the confidence and uh, in himself he maybe hasn't been uh not motivated wouldn't be the right word but maybe just hadn't been able to put everything together but I was looking today, actually, he hasn't been outside the top four in, in every rally this year. Um, so he's been picking up the points and then he's got a, got his win in Portugal. Now he's got, um, you know, a 15 or 15, 20 point lead now. So, um, yeah, it's just all about trying to punch in those those results and get, get the points. And then at the end of the year, that's, that's whenever it counts. Uh, best luck to John there at the weekend and tough and Cameron. Hopefully they have a great run there in Poland. Uh, also last weekend was the, the Manx National Rally and the latest round of the Irish Forestry Championship. Um, what can we say? Marty Toner in the BM had a fantastic run on those Manx roads. The, the stages over there are epic. There's no doubt about it. And the BMW was really singing. Uh, and then also Josh, or not sorry, Josh, Tommy Moffat, the latest, <laughs> the latest of the Moffat clan. Uh, won the, the junior section of that uh, event as well too, so we'll catch up with the two guys, but first of all we'll hear from uh, Marty. Marty, you had a fantastic run in Isle of Man there at the weekend. Um, fantastic event? Aye, brilliant event, yeah. No, I recommend anyone to go to the best stages you get on early. Yeah, I like, you know, 17 stages over two days, like, th there's very few places around here you'll get that, you know, you have to go to Isle of Man really to get that, and they are there's, you know, it's not just Mickey Mouse stages. There are good proper long stages. Some of them as well. Oh, yeah, those stages are maybe fourteen mile long. Mm -hmm. They were. I tell you, the right, the last loop on Saturday even was was as much mileage as the sprinters this weekend. You know, <laughs> in the right, in the final loop play. Yes, mm -hmm. you know, it's a brilliant rally. It's a tough rally, like there's a lot of bites in the finish, like but luckily enough, we got through it and. Yeah, because like you know, there's, uh, there's big kilometers in it, you know, and good stage miles and limited, you know, road miles because you know it's a small enough island, so you kind of roll off one stage into the next, into the next, and then into service. It, it, it's it's got everything a competitor wants there, really. It is, and even for Racky point of view, we racked the whole thing in one day. You know, some of the stages was three stages. You know, <laughs> uh, the start of them was different, or the end was different, or the come in the middle of it, or you know, if you had your Racky done right, you could done three stages in the one stage, you know, in your Racky and stuff. And, yeah. It was a, it was good now. It worked out well. Uh -huh. And like you know, yes, you have the extra expense of the boat and you know staying away and one thing or another. But like, would you recommend uh, you know other competitors to go for and give it a go next year? Oh, definitely. It would definitely have to be in the bucket list now if you were never there before. Uh -huh. And it's not that expensive. But the boat was, the boat was like maybe five hundred pounds. Right. So it wasn't, wasn't mad. Like and accommodation was, accommodation was like three hundred or three fifty. You know. Yes. It, it, it was, it was just. As cheap as going to a to a solar event, really, you know, a two day solar event. Ah, if you were going to Cork or something yeah. like that, ah, you'd a lot more, you know, with diesel and all driving up and down the country and one thing and another anyway, you know. So. Yeah, hotels more expensive and stuff, you know, and uh -huh. you know, it, it it wasn't that expensive to go to all, yeah. Yes, uh -huh. and like you know, the range of cars you're up against there, you know, you have the, uh, you know, all the best of them, you know, British national guys, you know, and like the BM was in amongst them right from the get go. Like you're in the top ten pretty much from the start. Yeah, funny, myself and Damien after the first two stages running three seconds between us. Um, but then funny, he had a bit of mechanical trouble, put him back a wee bit, but 
Edwards. Yeah, then we all all push hard like. Mm-hmm. We're all they're all driving their own driving well, but just got out of the blocks lovely and got away well and a couple of good times the first couple of stages and just happy up for the weekend then. Yeah. I could you know, uh, like yourself and Damien, you know, you're your brothers, yes, but like, is there not still a lot competitive ages, you know, like he's there to beat the same as any other man? Oh, I'm up maybe far more too. <laughs> <laughs> And you know, you both work at these dealers' cars, and also you know the ins and outs of them. And like, you're never going to see them stuck if you've got an issue. Like, and that's the, the great thing about the rallying community. Everybody pulls together. Everybody, you know, gets stuck in. Like, you've pulled men out in the past before. Like, uh, you know, I've seen you scrubbing them below other men's cars to keep them going. That's the great thing about rallying, isn't it? Oh, that's what it's all about. Hey, so you have to like, you look at the sport at the end of the day. Every man likes to see the finish line. Mm-hmm. Next, you get the finish, and if you help them at all. It was really good, yeah. And like, I think, I think. yeah, and like you know, the BMW seems to be coming good for you. You know, you know, it was probably a wee bit troublesome, maybe a wee bit at the start, but it's getting there now, and it seems to be on the pace of the of the escorts. Now, it must give you a lot of satisfaction to, to you know, to have the car sorted now to your liking. Yeah, funny, worked worked harder than either a couple of years, and um, we're working very hard at her, but now she's she seems to be as as good as she's going to be now. You know, funny. I changed a few things from even from the circuit of Ireland there. Mm-hmm. Changed a few things and made a big improvement here, you know. Yeah. But um done up put out your roll bars in the back of her and done different things, you know. And it, it all seems to work and it all seems to come together like. Yeah. I guess every day, like every day is a learning day and like, if you try something that works, it's great. And sometimes you'll try something that mightn't be as good then. Yeah, no, that's it, yeah. We've done stuff to learn and she went back ways and had to go back and start again, go to the dawn board again. But mm-hmm. no, funny at the minute now she seems to be not far away now, and just keep her reliable and mm-hmm. keep on the road. <laughs> yeah, because, like, you know, like two days in the monks, like, you know, 17 stages, and, you know, you seem to be trouble free enough. Oh, she never put a spanner on her, she never put a wheel wrong all weekend. And mm-hmm. It was just one of them rallies, everything went, went for the world go, you know, just went well. And mm-hmm. never, I never put a wheel in the grass all weekend, or she never, she never coughed, like, no bother mm-hmm. ever at all. Like. Yeah, and like, you know, you should give a shout out, I suppose, to Damien the brother as well. He had a good old run there at the weekend, and yes, he had a brother, but like, he fought back well and he was back up into the top 10 by the finish. It was, I think he was probably yet overall or something at the end of it. Uh-huh. Or yet to the yeah. yeah, funny, he did, he fought back well, he had a tough weekend now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any arm would have pulled out now, but he went on ahead and finished it, anyway. Yes, uh-huh. and also within uh, young Sam Adams from up by the money direction. He came away, I think, seventh or eighth as well, and the the Panto great result for him as well. Yeah, great result. I've been to some stage times too. Mm-hmm. Those stages he was only maybe ten or twelve behind me, you know, on stage. And they, they, don't get me wrong, Saturday now I, I was a big enough lead for Eddie to do more, but I was still driving on hard, you know. Still, mm-hmm. you might have just taking big chances, but you're driving on hard like he was doing sometimes. Yeah, for, for better. Sure, for sure, sure, for sure. And like now, that's the Manx over. What? Where to next? Um, what's in the pipeline? Uh, going to Port Leash, probably. Uh-huh. Um, done Port Leash twice before, and then it hasn't run now from 19 when COVID come. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's great to be rally. Always enjoyed that we rally. You know, all's gone real well then. Yes. So uh, I'm going to now in three weeks here, hopefully. Yeah, good to get the result now. Um, I was challenging conditions. Um, yeah, it was uh, unfortunate now for uh, both Jack Kennedy and Jack Harris. They both had. Um, Slight off-road excursions. I'm sure luck it happens. I've I've been there. It's uh, it's kind of the luck of the draw now. But um, 
yeah, it was good to get the result. Now it was, it was, it was tough. It was the toughest fifty kilometers I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it, it seemed to be a, like a real challenge. Even you know, like the top crews and everybody, it just seemed like a real good challenge. Like good stages and good to get that kind of kilometers and below your belt as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, stage stage one and two were quite clean and fast. Um. I part uh, stage two was very enjoyable. Um, stage three, stage three was very good. I am, um, but the probably the last two or three kilometers was very tight, narrow, and mucky. It was it was really challenging, and um, funny. Uh, probably the last probably about a kilometer from the finish of the stage. Um. A car ahead of a car sooner in the field had hit something and pulled the wheel off. And uh, I, when I came around and seen the, seen the car, I, um, I panicked and I braked. And the car, car kind of stepped out a bit, I caught it. And um, it turned out I got talking to, uh, got talking to Jack later on, and he, uh, that's where he, uh, went off he just didn't get away with it yeah but it, it was it was challenging now but it was very good it was an enjoyable event um it's good to get the win there and yeah because like you know that's like you know we keep saying every week in this podcast about you know that's the great opportunities that young drivers are getting now and like for the likes of yourself this is your your third year now completing in the, the junior one thousand. like to have to have the experience that you've already gained and you're, you're, you know, you're only, what, 17 now? Yeah. Uh, this, um, so I done the championship last year. It didn't, didn't go great now, but, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah, I probably would have been at it earlier only for, uh, COVID kind of put a bit of a, an abrupt stop to stuff that was in the works, but uh-huh. these things happen. Um, yeah. Now I'm doing RSA days and stuff for I don't know, it's a long time anyway. Ah, yes, at least three, four years. And like that that is like that you know, that is fantastic. Because like by the time you are ready for the stages properly, you know, like in a whatever way you want to go, the the, the, the amount of experience that you'll be carrying into that. Like a few years ago, like guys were starting out, even probably like what well, I suppose Sam and Josh had, they wanted RSA events too when they were younger. But a lot of guys, like the first time they got behind a wheeler rally car, they were probably only 18, 19. Like you've already got probably probably at least a thousand kilometers on below your belt at this stage. Yeah, probably something like that. Um, yeah, RSA run a great gig too. It gets you gets you to a good um, gets you to a good point that you're. If you can control a car by the time you don't get it anything even mm-hmm. so now I think they have the regulations there now for the juniors down to 13 now which mm-hmm. is it's quite young it's quite young but I suppose if you're at it early you can you'll be uh, you'll have a lot of experience coming out of it like yeah because like, even if you never you know like once you get to eighteen and you never, you know, drive a rally car ever again. Like even to be on the roads, you'll have learned, you know, you'll be able to control the slide, you'll be able to, you know, you're not you don't panic whenever something unexpected happens. 
you know, it becomes part of you, you know, it's an instant reaction. You, like you talked about the car stepping out, you were able to gather that up without any real dramas. Yeah, yeah, just uh, experience is uh, experience where that come from. I'm like, That's there's it. Nothing, nothing you can't, there's no way of getting that experience. Like, you all you need, you need to take time for that sort of experience, right? Yeah, that it's every time you get behind the wheel, you're learning something new. Yeah, the likes of you know, you know, previous champions there, like Ken McBride and Jack Brennan, what you see that what they're going on to do, and then even on the world stage. You know, Elton Evans, Will Crichton, John Armstrong, walking through the junior 1000s. Like, it's, it's a great stepping stone for, for young guys like yourself. It's, it shows you that, that the sky's the limit with it. Yeah, even uh, Josh McElaine there, uh, yeah. he, he, he done the Scottish Championship. And it's obviously, they have their, their stepping stones while in, in order there. And it's, it's obviously working for them, so... Um, yeah. And like you know, the championship. Like, uh, there, you know, like I wasn't aware until earlier today. There's actually two championships involved. There's the the junior one thousand, which is the forestry. You're leading that now, and there's also the the motorsport Ireland juniors as well too. So you're leading that, and that's a dual dual surface one. There's a couple of tarmac rounds then later in the year with it. Do you see? Do you see yourself uh, following up and completing the championships, the two championships? Yeah, yeah, definitely go for it. Um, if, uh... Yeah, definitely go for it. Um, that was that that the plan. So, mm-hmm. and and you know, like it's you know, the, getting the opportunity to do the two surfaces as well too. You're equally comfortable now at this stage. I would say on both. Like you know, the you talked about you know the Rally Sport Association days that they're predominantly you know tarmac and uh, concrete and that, and then your you know your your junior one thousand gravel. Is is there a preferred surface or you're happy either way now? Uh, I enjoy gravel. It's um, it's a lot of fun. It's uh, I like the feeling of the carbon loose under you. There's always there's always a level of unpredictability with tarmac. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot to learn on that front. Like it's there's no learning it unless you get on the roads, like and mm-hmm. getting doing the rally. So it's it's just. Mm-hmm. So again, it's sick time, and... and like you know, we know the success your two brothers had, and we always heard about you know, you know the, the uh, you know the great rivalry between uh, Sam and Josh, you know. But we always hear about this younger brother coming that you know they thought these two boys was mad. Wait till you see Tommy, you know. <laughs> and like they're they're big shoes to fill. Like, do you feel is there a pressure on you now to perform, or do you will you only just ever play your own for? There, there's pressure, but it's it's all in my head, or mm-hmm. so so well, so I'm told. <laughs> um, ach, there's there's pressure, surely, but I've kind of just had to learn to do my own thing and not worry about anyone else or what anyone else thinks. So that was that was probably the biggest challenge getting into into even stage rallying. Like, mm-hmm. was um. You know, what everyone expects of me, but it's it's up to the person and what they're capable of. And oh, I'd love to get to I'd love to get to the point that um, the boys is at, but um, so that'll only that'll only come with experience and, yeah. and hard work. Because like, if you think about it, they're at it now. What 
10, 12 years, you know, it's, it's like everything else, you have to serve your apprenticeship, you have to put in, you know, the hard yards to get the, the success at the end of it. Yeah, I think, I think I was, I think I was two, two or three years old when Sam would have done his first, <laughs> his first rally. <laughs> that probably makes him feel old, I would say, it, when you start talking like that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and do, do they offer you advice? Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. Constantly, yeah, it's great. It's great. It's great to have because they'll keep me right, you know, whether it's, you know, advice and setup or tires or how I'm driving or whatever. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they have a vast, a vast knowledge, which is, it's always going to help. As long as I listen, <laughs> and like, you know, yes, we've seen just you know, there's days there, you know, you all maybe have a buggy or something, and you're sharing. Is that competitive age? You know, they have so many more years' experience. Do you still be watching their times? Do you still try to nip at their heels? Oh yeah, look, um, it's just it's it's in me. I'm uh, competitive, whether it's. Mm-hmm go-karting or whatever like it's 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 always um there never anything goes on with their competition <laughs> but you just can all have a, a laugh and joke about it at the end most of the time anyways you? <laughs> yeah well i i uh yeah <laughs> i get lots of i got i got plenty get plenty of stick about um Whatever, whatever they can throw at me. But... <laughs> you, well, you're, you're, getting, you're developing the big shoulders to carry it now at this stage, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tommy, thank you very much for taking the time to join us. Uh, it's been a pleasure and no doubt we'll be keeping an eye on you as the season progresses. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks for having me. Good man. Uh, great to hear from the two lads there. So um, this weekend coming up, Maharfalk Motor Club, uh, Tour of the Spurns, round, latest round of the Northern Ireland Championship. Um, you know, 100 cars there on the entry list. It's going to be another epic fight there. Johnny Greer, Desi Henry, and, you know, Frank Kelly, David Boogie. David Boogie, something very special coming there. And you, Mark, too, on the, on the hit list. So watch this space here very closely in that one. Um, I got a chance to catch up with Crawford Henderson, one of the guys behind putting the event together. And he gives us some the rundown on what's coming up on Saturday. We think and we hope we have a nice event on. It's a nice... Clubman style event. It's the first uh, closed road event of the year contained in the Northern Ireland Championship. And we've we started out with 120 entries, so we're oversubscribed. Mm-hmm. So I think people are looking forward to it. Yeah, and the, you know, we're all we've been preaching all along, and you know, Marfalt Motor Club is one of those clubs that seem to know what the competitors want you know they put the competitor front and center of you know whenever they're organizing the event it's run by competitors that's what i'm trying to get at it's, it's run by competitors for competitors they try and make it as competitor friendly as as possible well that's that the, the, there's so many competitors in our club and if you go right back down through the years from 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 literally at the start with joe pat O'Kane and right through the Charlie Donnelly's and Eugene Donnelly's and the Kieran Shaw's and the Camillus Bradley's and there's just been so many of them and thankfully a lot of those people are are, are helping us out the mm-hmm. next weekend and helping us out this last 
six months to get yeah. this all pieced together. So it's good to see they've all still got an interest and, and uh, they have the club at heart. Yeah, and you, you know the great thing about rallying is you know people pay back, and that's exactly what they're doing. You know they've had their they've had their fun. They they've seen the the fantastic side of what rallying can bring, and they're now prepared to give it back to the next generation. Well, it's a good thing, and I and I'm starting to do the same now. I mean, I've been competing since the late nineteen seventies, forty something years. And I feel I want to get involved in the in the in the organisational side of it, but there's just so much work involved, so much paperwork involved. It is incredible. It just uh, it's almost a full time job. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're spending half a day every day trying to get issues resolved and. Mm-hmm get things organised and make sure things fall into place. And thankfully, we have a good team uh, of guys doing different jobs. Yeah, and it's and, important. Yeah, and they get, uh, though, you know, on the day, you know, people won't even see them, people doing them jobs, but they'll just be quietly going about their work, you know, firefighting and doing what needs to be done on the day just to make sure that the competitors have and the marshals and everybody has a successful day. Well, th- th- this is this is why it's so important to have a good team because they do hopefully not too much firefighting on the day. Hopefully, yeah. things are well enough organised. We have three fantastic stages. Um, the setup will be uh, three stages done twice. We want mm-hmm. to keep it relatively simple and relatively uh, easy for marshals that they're not getting up at stupid o'clock in the morning to go and marshal at a stage somewhere and you know and they're there all day so that's mm-hmm. why we repeated them twice rather yes. than three times it keeps the marshals happier and keeps the residents happier and uh, we've got 40 something miles out of it so we're, we're, we're happy enough with yeah. that yeah and the, you know the three stages Kelly and Duffy uh, you know talked about them there when he does his wee promo there and some of the three best challenging stages they've seen in Ireland this year that has to give you guys great heart that you know like a, a guy of uh, Kellyanne's caliber is uh, promoting the event to you know and trying to encourage competitors to come as well. Well, if I can go through the stages one by one, mm-hmm. the first one's not far from Macherfeld Town, and Macherfeld Town is where the service area is, right on the edge of town, in an industrial estate. And we thank the people there at Roman Valley uh, uh, Industrial Estate for their uh, letting us use it. And I have to thank Charlie Donnelly again. Uh, he has organised all of that and, and he's been the, the go-between. Mm-hmm. And so we move out of Macherfeld and we head over by a village called Desert Martin. And that's stage one. And the first half of it, to my knowledge, has never been used before. And the second half has been used maybe the opposite direction or whatever, but mm-hmm. it's never been used in this format. Then we move across to Draperstown. And uh, we go to the second stage, which is called Glen Hull. And whilst bits of it have been used before, um, they've been used in different formats and different directions and different roads and linked. Mm-hmm. But it's a fantastic stage. It just It's bend after bend after bend after there's no straights on it anywhere. Uh, there'll be no flat out in fifth gear. There'll be no rev limiters, no nothing. <laughs> 
this, the next stage is a, is a very famous name uh, called Barnes Gap. Mm-hmm. But the, especially the first half of it, again, has been used the other direction once, I think, but never in this direction and never in this format. Mm-hmm. And again, very variable stage, absolutely mm-hmm. brilliant, I think. Yes. And the beauty of all three stages and the thing that we were looking for is no chicanes. Right. We have no chicanes in the whole rally. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, hopefully, it will not come back to bite us. But <laughs> I think we, we, we've had it speed checked and uh, we're, we're confident that it will be good. And we're confident that the competitors will like it. Yeah. But as a result of that, we may have a bit of extra road miles. Okay. And I would plead with competitors to give us a bit of space there. There is mm-hmm. extra road miles, but if you want good stages, maybe you have to travel. This is it. it. You know, and the you know the cut. You know, the compromise. There has to be a compromise somewhere. And you know, the the priority was good stages. And if they have to drive a wee bit, you know, from and the, and the the way you're describing the stages, there's a natural flow to them one into two into three. It's really coming off the third stage, coming back into to service is where the run is, is it? That that's exactly right, and that's that can be an advantage if you've got a problem in stage one or stage two. It gives you time to resolve that problem mm-hmm. um, and and get the people back into service and, and get whatever difficulties that's coming behind you. Get those resolved yes. and get back out again. And it is a clubman's event, and it's not. We're not trying to be any Donegal International or Killarney or anything like that. It's a clubman's event, and it's a Northern Ireland Championship event, and we feel we feel that they will enjoy it, and I hope they do. Yeah, you know, and the, what a stellar lineup that you know is taking part as well. You know, you have the cream of Northern Ireland rallying, and there is a few guys there. You know, you mentioned Donegal. There's a few guys there. Keeping an eye out for June as well, really, isn't there? So, well, th- this is the thing. I mean, I don't know how many of them are going to do Donegal, but it's a great test. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's forty mile proper test for anybody that wants to go to Donegal. Mm-hmm. It's a super event, and for anybody that's doing the Northern Ireland Championship, I I think they'll enjoy it as well. Yeah, and like you know, the, over the last couple of years, you know, some people kind of frowned upon for now the Northern Ireland Championship. You know, it's split it into two, the tarmac and the, the gravel. But it's starting to pay, pay dividends, you know. Like, nearly every event, they've been running close to 100 competitors. Like, that has to be welcomed by everybody involved in rallying at the moment, in Northern Ireland. Well, the, the road closing order things, you know, they are up in the air a little with the motorbike guys. And, mm-hmm. and hopefully next year, maybe we'll have even one more. We don't uh-huh. know yet because we don't know what the motorbike guys will do. But hopefully we might have one more. And mm-hmm. it would be nice to get a nice, you know, few tracks, few closed roads mm-hmm. and get a nice balance. Maybe this year the balance has gone too much, but that's nobody's fault. We, no. we can't create road closing orders. So we have to uh, we have to go with whatever's available. And uh, I must say that the rallies committee, have done a great job and they are doing a great job mm-hmm. and they're trying their best to uh, put on a good show yeah that's for sure and i suppose we should really touch on like that where do you know the spectators there's obviously going to be a program out closer to the time but like where where you know where is the, the rally based out or you know where do they go to to see the start and where is service and 
Well, the service is in. It's on the. Uh, there's a new ring road around Macherfelt, mm-hmm. and it's literally a quarter of a mile off the ring road, and it's called Ronan Valley Business okay. Park. Mm-hmm. And for anybody that don't doesn't know where it is, it's right beside the Macherfelt Council offices. It's not three hundred meters away from it. Mm-hmm. So it's on the Ballyronan Road. Um, and the next, the first stage, as I say, is near Desert Martin, and the next two are sort of west and north of Draperstown, mm-hmm. and then you come back into Draperstown and back to service and yeah. repeat it. Yeah, and uh, they they leave as they they leave in the service park. That's what they leave from in the morning. Yeah, they leave. Yeah. I think it's it's. Uh, I'll just confirm it here. Ten o'clock. Um, mm-hmm. The first car is due in the first stage to start at half past 10. Mm-hmm. So uh, they'll leave at about 10 o'clock in the morning. So uh-huh. it gives people time to get yeah. things <laughs> organized in the morning. It's not a 7 o'clock start or anything like that. It's nice time to get tires organized and yeah. get marshals organized and timekeepers organized. And there's so many people has to be on the stage. Yeah. We don't want to rush anything we have time so we're going to make good use of it uh, yeah i take time to make time as such as the same goes yeah. you know so and then yeah. you know it wraps up and it's all back to the the service park then for the the champagne yeah well just we're going to keep it simple that, that, uh-huh. that that's something we were actually talking about prize giving now uh, you know prize given three four hours after the finish it seems to have just died away there's mm-hmm. nobody Nobody much interested in prize givings now. So we'll we'll have some sort of prize giving at the finish. I'm not involved in that uh-huh. side of it. Um, but there's a team involved in it. So there'll be a prizes for the first for every class winner and one, two, three in the class. But for the first three overall, there'll be champion finish, yes. Yeah. So we'll want to get that all into place and make sure we get it uh, promoted properly. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, like this is you know, again going back to you know, like the, the organizing, you know, the way this club works. You've had a promotion day there a couple of weeks ago, uh, at the, one of, you know, one of your sponsors, and like the, the crowd that even turned up for that, that shows that Rallying's alive and well in you know the Marvel area. Well, it was, yes, and I have to thank that obviously, I have to thank Go Petroleum. Uh, this is the second year they've they've, they've supported us, and uh. We were up at one of their filling stations in Cookstown, and I was surprised actually how many people turned up. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe it, you know. And 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 I thank again all the drivers that brought cars, uh, the McGuigan family and Gary Jennings, and they all turned up with their cars. Camillus Bradley turned up with a car. There's someone else I can't. Think Desi Henry was there too, wasn't he? Desi Henry, Henry is absolutely yeah. mm-hmm. yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. And I thank all of them for 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 taking their time out on a Sunday to come up and and. and uh, Help with the promotion of the event. Mm-hmm. It was very, very good. Yeah. So, like, I was supposed to start wrapping things up. Uh, it, it's going to be, you know, get yourself to Marfield next Saturday. You know, that's where the action is. And you know, obey the marshals. Do you know? Um, do as you're told by the officials or whatever. But enjoy the day. Well, uh, just to say that there is, uh, there, there will be a because the industrial estate is so big. There will be a car park for spectators mm-hmm. available. So when you come in, you drive straight down in, and there's a car park away on the right hand side. So you'll be able to park your car and travel up and walk up into the uh, service area. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, it's a massive service area. So there's no trouble with space. 
but we would plead with people, please just be sensible when you're mar- or when you're spectating. Um, spectating. Mm-hmm. It is so, so difficult to get people to think about where they're standing. Just use common sense and, mm-hmm. and stand. And if someone says, look, you can't stand there, they're not telling you that no. to make to make life difficult, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they just feel that's not a safe place. So just move on, move around the corner, move up, move up higher. Try mm-hmm. and keep up high above the road if you can. And that's more obviously more safe to be there. But we want you to enjoy it. We want you to come and watch it. We want you to come and see it and enjoy the cars, enjoy mm-hmm. the people, enjoy the fun, and, and uh, see what. See what uh, the sport can give. For sure, for sure. And then I suppose, like, you know, as well as that, like the sport always needs marshals, and I'm sure Marshall Motor Club's no different. Um, if there's anybody who wants to get involved, is there somebody they can contact? Yes, I haven't numbers here, but no. Patricia, Patricia Laverty is always out looking for marshals, and Elizabeth Devine mm-hmm. uh, from Maiden City Motor Club uh, is looking for timekeepers, and you know. You may think, oh, there's only me and my friend, but those two people could make the final piece of the jigsaw happen. Mm-hmm. And we definitely do need we we a couple of stages I think we're okay. The third stage might be a bit, little bit light. Mm-hmm. So if there's anybody feels they want to come out there, you don't have to be an expert, you don't have to have a license, you don't have to have anything. All you have to be is willing and turn up on the day. And have a bit of fun, and it is good fun marshalling. I it is. do it all the time, and it's fantastic. And you get to see what's happening, and see how these things are organised, and see what what way thing needs to, the way the thing needs to be. It has to be done professionally and properly nowadays. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thanks very much, Dave Crawford. I uh, hope it all goes well for all the guys up there in Maherfelt Motor Club at the weekend. Um, look, one of the reasons we had you on. Um, Jim Clark Rally, not this weekend, but next weekend, and you're taking part. How excited are you? You know, just hearing you say that, it still doesn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> to be honest, it's I'm a, I'm a mixture of excited and incredibly terrified and nervous and wondering why I've given myself this financial burden and all these mixture of emotions, <laughs> as I'm sure everybody goes through. But it's I'm sure everybody, I, I say it all the time, so I'm really sorry people know me and know this story already, but it is, it's just the one event that means the most to me. It's the one that it literally went past my front door. The last stage I'll do in this weekend goes past the house I used to live in. It's just that for me, it's incredible that I'm now, because I never thought when I was sat there as a, a youngster watching all my heroes, and just never thought it would be me. Now, there won't be the same people paying attention to me. I'm right at the back and not doing anything impressive, but it isn't the point. Like, it's just... Yeah, it's one of those that there's probably more sensible things I could have done with the money, maybe got a mortgage, something like that. But you can't drive a mortgage. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's it, it's pretty surreal. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. It's just one of those that I'm really fortunate to be in a situation where I just about can afford to do it. Um, there'll be a little bit of budgeting and being careful for the next few months. But it's, it's worth it. It's, I think the last – I I made the mind up quite a while ago, but I think the last – month or so really does teach what we just don't know how long we've got so you, yeah. you cannot not take these chances when you've got them so that's mm-hmm. what i've decided to do and i shall make probably a fool of myself but that's fine i can live with that mm-hmm. um it's worth it to get to do it yeah but like you know like jim clark is your donegal it is your mount everest it is it is your dream like and we have to applaud that you're 
you know, rather than just thinking about it or talking about it, you're going to do it. And that's, that, you know, that's a huge hat tip to you, really. What do you think, Conor? Oh, listen, uh, you know, absolutely. We all sit and dream about it, but we don't do anything about it. And, you know, so look, absolutely fair play that you are, you know, taking the bull by the horns and, and uh, putting yourself out there, uh, you know, fantastic to see it genuinely. Yeah, because, like, you know, rallying is one of those sports, you know, you said you watched your heroes driving past. Like, rallying gives you that opportunity to drive the same roads as your heroes. You know, it's not, you know, it's like, I don't know, you know, going to watch Man United and going out and playing on your local football pitch. You know, you don't get the, the chance to go and play at Old Trafford. You will get the chance to do, you know, those stages the same as car number one or the same stages as Andrew Nesbitt and Eugene Donnelly used to fight over years ago. Like, that that has to be kids come through. Like, that's kids in the sweet shop stuff. Do you know what's interesting? It's It sounds stupid because, of course, I'm aware of it because it's, it's where the whole origin is coming, but I've never really... I fully thought about it like that until you said that, and I actually feel a little bit emotional there, Kevin. Thanks for that. <laughs> but the two of you, you're being too nice to me already. Those are very kind words. But it's yeah, it's as you say, it's 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 unique rallying in that sense of it's it's the opposite way with, with football to use that comparison. You could go and kick a ball wherever. You can't go and drive a car whenever you like. It's it's the challenge of the sport. But yeah, anybody can enter. You get the license. You you have enough backing behind you. You can make yourself. You can compete. I say I'm not going to be anywhere near the level of any of these guys, but as you say, yeah, the, those those Irish lads that you mentioned, they're the ones that stick out to me. They all came over and they just created the buzz of, of the early 2000s. I know other people talk about the early 90s or the late 90s as being the, the peak of that rally, but I was slightly too young to really remember that. The 2000s for me are where it's at. And yeah, to actually drive the same rules that they did, I can sort of be less speed, but still <laughs> to do it, it's, yeah, it's quite something. It really is, you know, and like not only are you doing the rally, you're doing it for a fantastic cause as well too. So, like, you know, tell us what it is and how we can donate. Yeah, so I'm raising money for Diabetes UK because I'm a type one diabetic, so it kind of makes sense. And it's, I don't know, it's I don't honestly know if it's if any diabetics look at this sort of challenge and think it isn't possible. But for me. If I can do anything to help anyone, I think that's the sort of mesh of what it's doing. It makes me feel a little bit less guilty for being self-indulgent, spending all this money on myself to do it. Event. If I can do something good with it as well, I think it's nice. But um, yeah, it's, it's never been a condition that's particularly challenged me in this side of things. There are complications, there are things you're aware of, but I think it's just nice to spread a message to prove that you can do this sort of stuff. Because I remember when I was, I don't know, maybe 11 or 12, and one of my mum's friends, found a newspaper cutting that was, I can't remember exactly what the headline was, but it was to do with a, a young racing driver that basically hadn't let diabetes get in the way of it. And at that point, I never thought about it. I was never trying to be a racing or rally driver. I never really, I was too young to sort of compute what it meant. But I think it, the more I think about it now, I think this is a really nice message. And I guess that's what I'm, I'm trying to do, is just prove that it's, it's not a stumbling block to anything. And I think... Hopefully most type ones are aware that, yes, it's a serious condition, but I see it and it sounds strange in a way, but I think I'm quite fortunate because if I could have a long-term health condition, this is a good one to have because it's actually quite manageable. As long as you're on top of things and it shouldn't really cause you any issues. So we're fortunate that I don't honestly think my life is compromised at all, as is being approved with this. Um, in terms of donation, I've got a Just Giving page open. Hopefully you guys can link it somewhere Perfect. if you're kind enough. Um, mm -hmm. We've got an ambitious target I'm trying to raise to. 
trying to get a thousand pounds from it. Whether we can or not, I don't know. But we've already got over five hundred, which I'm really happy with and tremendously grateful for everybody that has, particularly in these times, given up some of their their beer money to uh, to help the cause. So yeah, and um, there'll be stickers on the car as well. So we're trying to promote it as best we can. Um, but it's funny, the guys and, and girls at Diabetes UK, they contacted me after they saw this and they're like, we've had lots of runners and lots of other sports. You're off as a rally driver. And I thought, <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> and and but, Luke, what do you call it? What car are you competing in and who's co-driving? So I've got a little Fiesta R2 um, from EDSL Sport. And the co-driver is also, I guess, a novice in <laughs> in Alex Waterman, who runs the team and has done a bit of driving in the past. Um, but he's just a good mate of mine. And that's what I want to do. Realistically, I, I know where I'm going to be at. I'm not going to be challenging for anything. So I don't need the best co-driver in the co-driver's seat. Um, Alex may be great. I don't know. He's like me. We, we could be the new Robin Perrin Alton for everyone anybody knows. But it's <laughs> unlikely. But we're untapped potential. So we're about to expose ourselves to the world with this. But yeah, it, it made sense. I wanted to do it for a bit of fun, as you say. It's it's good. It's the bucket list thing. It's also useful, I think, for, for my job and career to really understand the emotions, I guess, that go through a rally weekend and all this kind of stuff. But I wanted to do it with somebody that, like I say, I could have found somebody more experienced. But then if I didn't know them click as well, it maybe wouldn't be as, as fun. And I reckon it's probably going to be a once in a lifetime thing, this for me. So, yeah, fun was the important thing. And yeah, yeah, we'll see what we can do. But I don't know if you boys have seen tonight is like recording this. This seated MGS came out a couple hours before. And uh, I've got some work to do because they put me at the very, very back of the field, literally the last car before all the Land Rovers. So we've got, I can't expect anything else, but we've got some, <laughs> we've got some points to prove. <laughs> but, you know, uh, the junk cart is one of those emotive rallies that conjures up so many memories and so many, like even last year, you know, we think of, you know, what happened with Ocean Price and all that then too. It's just one of those events that there's always a story to it. And like you, you're going to help create a story this year. Well, we'll see. We'll see about that. <laughs> I very much doubt I'll be part of the, the story. But you're right. I, um, I see. I'm a bit biased. I see the event differently to to others. But I, yeah, it's one of the most challenging in the UK. It still is. I used to have the distinction of being the only one on, on cultural tarmac. That obviously isn't the case anymore. But it's got that history that no other rally like it. But Irish shores do, uh, does so. Yeah, I think it'll be a good battle. There's a lot of good names there, not least Mr. Fomo at the front of the field, who I suspect will be very hard to beat. But Keith Cronin's done well at this rally in the past; was very quick last year. So I actually think he could spring a couple of surprises. I don't think Fomo will have it easy mm. at the front. Um, I'll, I'll be watching from the very back of the field. They'll come in to service just when I'm leaving, and I'll, mm -hmm. I'll wave to them and, <laughs> and see how they're getting on. But yeah, it should it should be a good weekend, I think, for everybody. And like in your own class, you know, we have the, the Irish guys going over, Kyle McBride, Kyle White, uh, and also then um, a Scott Stroke Aussie guy coming over to give you a wee shout as well. You spoke to him in Donegal last year. I did, yeah, Max McRae, um, backed by Dirtfish, of course, I've got to get yes. that in there. Um, but yeah, no, that's really exciting. I think it's going to be great for the other guys in the class to, to have that, because as you say, he, he's sort of untapped territory a little bit on tarmac. He's, he's not done as much, maybe some of the others do, but he's Max McRae. So, yeah. so we know how good he is. We know what sort of benchmark and what gravitas the name has. So I think for these guys, it's just another added dimension. But just speaking of Kyle White for a second, I did jokingly um, try and make a bet with him. I said, 50 quid says you'll be quicker than me. And he didn't accept me on that. 
And I thought I was going to make fifty pounds, but no, you didn't want to have that. Kyle, if you are listening, the offer is still open. Uh, fancy, you have him scared. in his head. <laughs> I thought that's some mind games you're playing already. That's it. That's it. You never know. <laughs> this is this is what you know those old RPM things. You you're going back to the old Nesbitt Domney days. You're trying to work head games. <laughs> this is Sebastian OJ territory here. That's it. Well, you know what? Any comparison you're making to me to those boys, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind what context. Yes. So I think we'll wrap it up at that. So that was episode 14, season two. Can you please go oh, forgot to say like, share, <laughs> uh, subscribe, uh, rate, all those things. Gratefully appreciate it. Please keep watching and listening to the numbers you've been doing. It's been a pleasure as always. Luke and Connor, thanks very much and bye. <laughs> Oh, my God.